1: Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday, June 1st. A new month is here, and we're excited to be with you on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Alongside Tom Peavy, Austin Scott, and Ryan Lavoy, my name is JJ Jackson. On today's show, we've got a loaded show. Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, will join our program coming up at 3.30. At 4.30, Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post, an NBA insider, gives us the 4 1-1 on the finals getting underway tomorrow we will have more likely to happen in the final hour of our show coming up today so a lot to discuss on the program here and uh, we're so fired up to be with you once again on Tiger 95.9 FM and the Tiger Communications app again JJ here with Austin Ryan and Tom guys how are we how are we feeling on this Wednesday I'm
2: I'm doing great. Glad to be back in the studio. Obviously, we didn't have a show Monday to uh, due do, do, uh, to celebrating. Well, I shouldn't say celebrating. That's not the right word. Uh, honoring Memorial Day. Uh, so this is my first time back on this week. So uh, glad to be back in. Glad to start talking some sports. Uh, obviously, a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports right now. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm ready to get into it.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing well. A non-sports thing. We were following the amber heard johnny depp trial in the office today yeah uh and finally saw that verdict after weeks of that trial oh that verdict did come out yes would you like to uh, hear it sure uh well we're not going to play the full audio because that that (laughs) was lengthy but essentially there were three counts for both sides okay three accusations uh Amber Heard was found liable in all three, ah. uh, so favoring Johnny Depp, and then Depp was found liable in one of the three. Oh, okay, and so both found were found liable in a way, but obviously unanimous that every single accusation uh, Heard was was liable for, and then uh, Depp was just liable for one accusation of the three. And then, as far as damages, uh, Depp won ten million. Uh, Ten million compensatory, compensatory, and five million punitive. Wow! And her like he needs the money, but and her only won two million compensatory and zero dollars punitive. Punitive. Thank you, Austin. (laughs) Uh, And so, but but in the state of Virginia, we found out uh, as far as punitive, you're only there's a cap. uh, Yeah, you're capped at three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So essentially, Depp won't get. But three hundred fifty thousand, the five million. But he'll get all the ten million, and then he'll owe her two million. So he nets like eight point three five. What I'm I'm reading here just says
2: the jury awarded uh, Pirates of Caribbean Star fifteen million dollars. Is
3: what it's saying and i just mapped that right, out but yeah. that's he's not going to get all 15 right Once exactly take out he only hers. gets 350 of the right. punitive and then herd will get 2 million from him so really real in the net everything he will he will gain 8.35 gotcha. but herd depending on who you're looking at is not even worth 8.35 so she's essentially going to be bankrupt or close to it right um which is interesting but anyway we followed that uh that's not sports uh that would be enough <laughs> of that uh but we were following that in the office today and then otherwise yeah just uh uh big i'm starting this period where i'm just locked in the tv each night for a lot of nights with the lightning series starting tonight and the um. nba finals of the warriors starting tomorrow and so i'm looking forward to him trying not to get too nervous about everything and just take it take it one series one one game at a time one sport at a time and then also just still really we, we talked about it a lot yesterday but really excited that auburn is is hosting a regional it was very mm-hmm. nervous to see if they would hold on to that honor uh but excited i i, I assume we're all trying to plan to get to at least one game this yeah. weekend if possible yeah. so it's, it's a very exciting a lot to look forward to
4: yeah no definitely i echo everything you guys said and uh was on last week and we were talking that same thing are they going to get to host a regional and they are going to be an exciting weekend at Plainsman Park looking forward to talking to Andy about it I'm sure he's just as excited uh, as many of us so um, should be a fun weekend at Plainsman Park and in the baseball theme uh, Braves laid another egg last night and uh, just can't find ways to win consistently right now they're on right now uh, when we came in here, it was one nothing Braves in the bottom of the first. Yeah. Um, so we'll be able to catch up with that all, all show
2: yeah. on Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that Auburn was able to get that regional spot. And first time since 2010 that Auburn's going to get to host a regional. I was unaware it had been that long, but that's, that's crazy that it yeah. has been since 2010 since they were able to host a, uh, a regional. But uh, I, I'm hoping that Auburn can kind of figure themselves out a little bit as they enter this tournament because really down the stretch of the season, They did not do themselves any favors. Uh, You know, you mentioned it was kind of questionable whether they were going to get to host or not. We knew they were going to be in a regional. The question was whether they were going to be able to host. And when you you drop that series to Kentucky and then you go uh, one and done in the SEC tournament, You really put yourself in a situation now You don't know if you're going to And and before all of that happened They were number four in the RPI I mean, they were solid in hosting There was no question, no doubt It was going to happen And then those struggles right there That last series and then the uh, one game In the SEC tournament Left a lot of doubt On whether it was going to happen or not And then there was a lot of crazy things That were going on in conference tournaments That even put, put it even more in doubt Uh, A lot of the projections had Auburn not hosting. I know D1 Baseball did not have Auburn hosting. Uh, There was several others that I saw that did not have them. So uh, to be able to get it, it it shows that uh, what they did early in the season, uh, the strength of schedule, the winning of the series that they did, uh, and it's great. And it's a team that was picked dead last in in the West uh, at, the, at preseason, and now you're hosting for the first time since 2010. So big kudos to uh, Butch Thompson and that crew.
3: Yeah, I know, I know we got uh, nine of the 14 SEC teams in. Uh, Alabama did not make it despite getting oh, warm darn. there at the end. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mississippi State, preseason number one in the entire country Yeah, in uh, some publications, didn't make it. Yeah. Ole Miss was the last team in, so they did make it. But you know, Kentucky, I was about to say, who got red hot at the end, they did not make it. Uh, Missouri, I want to say, did not make I don't it. Think, yeah. I don't think and so. then there's one other team, Georgia. Uh, no, no Georgia's, Georgia's in. Georgia's hosting. Uh, it's, uh, Georgia's not hosting in the Chapel Hill. Region. South Carolina. Yes, yeah. South Carolina's on it. So red team. You still had nine of the fourteen teams in the league. I, I think that what was so beneficial for Auburn. And maybe maintaining that top 16 status um, is, I, I know that you would still love to say, you know, it's not like this is some miraculous thing that they did, but just making sure they did not get swept by Arkansas and, in particular, Tennessee, just getting a game off those teams, especially with Tennessee, knowing how elite Tennessee was this year and being able to see, yeah, Auburn technically got squashed in game one, but they led game one for half the game. And then they won game two and it was a very competitive close game in game three. And so getting, just being able to say, hey, we did beat the number one team in the country. We do have a resume that includes that, that not every team in the league, Tennessee swept swept several teams. They they destroyed everyone in, in Hoover. Um, that was important not to get swept by them against Arkansas yeah it was a home series maybe in a different world you would have said maybe we could have Auburn could have won two out of three maybe maybe you could do enough there to win the series but again it's a top five team at that time right. that you at least got one from and you when you take one out of three but you're competitive in the other games you show that there's not a big gap there home yeah. or away and I think that was very important obviously Auburn won a ton of series and it all added up but I think just making sure that you kept some momentum by winning one out of three against those two really tough teams, kind of sustain their season and resume a little bit.
2: Yeah, the, the, doing that against those teams, the, the midweeks handled business. Auburn handled the business that they needed to handle against the teams that they should have beaten. The ones that we kind of felt like they should have beaten, I, you know, did a lot of what we talk about of at, at home, even if you don't sweep, but take two at home. At least get one on the road, and they they seemed to do that, but they you know went further of those expectations. Uh, they they took care of business now. It, it was disappointing at the end, like, you're losing that series to Kentucky. You just really felt like that was one that Auburn it was ripe for the taking. If Auburn just had to, you you really just wanted them to win that series. I know you got one, but dang, that just and and then against Tennessee and Arkansas, it's another, it's nothing lost. Uh, when you lose those series because those teams are so good and you were talking about the fact that you're competitive I think what hurts so bad is the fact that you were competitive and you had like all sorts of chances to actually take a series against Tennessee. You had... Chances to take that series against Arkansas and you weren't able to finish it. And that that was frustrating to me. I, I love the fact that they were competitive, but again, like I said, it, it kind of stinks that you are that competitive and you're blowing opportunities yeah. to, to do something special.
3: I guess I would have been more frustrated with that if Auburn had been on the verge of being a top eight. Right. Like, well. if you're ninth or tenth, then you kind of lament the fact that you had opportunities to be like oh you, the number one team in the country you could have beaten one right. in a series because that would have been the feather in the cap of saying okay that's this is why this team deserves to be a, a top eight and be a super regionalist sure. so i guess i i guess the ways of looking at it is yes they were uh competitive enough to be able to win those series and, and that would have helped a lot but at the same time if everything else stays the same, and they win two out of three in those two series, but they still have the blow-up against Kentucky, they're not going to end up being a top eight. Whereas if they win the Kentucky series and don't go one and out in Hoover, then we start talking about, man, that really could have mattered. But I think that at the very least, you know, by winning a game in those series, you would have, if they didn't do that, you would have looked at Auburn's resume and said, not only is Auburn not playing well right now, they just had their worst SEC series of the season, only winning one out of three, technically one out of four against Kentucky once you've in the SEC tournament. Not only did they not do that, they don't have the top tier wins. Like, sure, they beat LSU in a series. Sure, they beat uh, A&M in the series, and those are really good series wins. But the the cream of the crop in the league for the majority of the season was number two was Arkansas and Tennessee's best team we've seen in college baseball in the regular season for years. Yeah, And so... If, if you hadn't gotten a game against either of those teams, you said, okay, there's a clear gap that's right. pretty sizable there and would have really hurt their chances of, of deserving the host regional. But when you say, okay, you do take one out of three against the clear number one team in the country, you take one out of three against another team that's a clear super regional host, all of a sudden you say, all right, this team is is – neck and neck almost maybe not with Tennessee no one is but they're not like some foreign tier and three tiers away from these other teams they're just a step below them and just a step below of a top eight team is a top 16 team and so I guess I'm saying like I see why it would have been frustrating but I think if everything else was equal and everything else played out the way it did it wouldn't have changed Auburn would have been an 11 or a 10 instead of a 14 and so it wouldn't have changed too much
2: Well now looking at head and, and we've got the, the series coming up uh, The uh, Auburn's hosting some tough teams coming in here um, uh, Florida State I don't, I don't know why it <laughs> seems like Auburn always ends up with Florida State either in a regional or a super regional uh, UCLA uh, and then Southeastern Louisiana but you know looking at that the way Auburn kind of finished the regular season and the one and done in SEC tournament play the one thing that Auburn has to do is stop leaving so many guys on base, and especially yeah. guys in scoring position. That that was really their downfall in that last series and in Hoover, uh, just leaving guys on base. Uh, I what was it nine that they left in scoring position? I think, I think so. they
3: were zero for nine 0 for in 9. Hoover or yeah. something like that, yeah. or yeah.
2: with yeah. runners in scoring yeah. position or something like that. Uh, you know, it, that's that's the biggest area of improvement that Auburn's got to have right there. They're getting the hits, they're getting the guys on base, but they can't seem to get that timely hit that one to just break something open i mean just talking about missed opportunities in that and I, and I guess i i can put aside any frustrations with tennessee and arkansas because of ryan what you were saying about you know it's those teams but when you're looking at a team like kentucky auburn should oh, yeah. auburn should handle kentucky uh at least go two two and two against them not one and That's four. And just so many opportunities left out there with guys on base. I mean, how many times did Auburn leave the bases loaded? How many times did they have second and third with no outs and couldn't get a guy in? Just things like that. I mean, if you're going to get past the regional and get to a super regional and then have hopes of getting to a World Series, I think that's the biggest thing that Auburn's going to have to improve on because I think the pitching is there. I think overall the hitting is there. It's just not being able to get those timely hits when those guys are in scoring position.
3: Yeah, and I think something with Auburn is those hits with runners and score position are even more important because outside of Sonny DeShera, they don't have a lot of power. Well, like they don't, like some of these lineups have four or five guys with 10 home runs, and some of these lineups have their number seven hitter with enough power, you know, double and home run power. But Auburn, correct me if I'm wrong, I I don't even know what their second highest home run total is, but it's not double digits. I think DeSher is the only one in double digits. And and Auburn was bottom three or four in the SEC in home runs, even with someone as powerful as Sonny Deshares. So uh, unless DeSher is at the plate, you don't have a bunch of guys that are going to go hit that big, Two run homer or or have a big inning because of a big home run. You're going to have to have three, four, five hits in the inning, in most innings to score multiple no. runs.
4: Do you Do you have any guesses on who that second person would be? Uh, uh, is it Brody Moore? Not Brody. Not say, Brody Moore. Oh, is P- it Brody Pierce? Bobby that Pierce. Pierce. Seven. I, I, seven. Yeah. And like, how many of those have come in the last two weeks alone? Sure.
2: Just since he got hot. I. I I said Brody. I was thinking Bobby. Yeah, that's I, why I pointed. I figured you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pier, Bobby Pierce is who I kind of figured that was. Uh, but the other thing you're talking about, improvement, and Sonny Deshara. I mean, he's, gotta, he's got he, yeah, he He's got. he's got to step up. Oh man. I, I won I won the I won our our monthly deal cuz I went the lowest on what we said his batting average was going to be for the month and you and everybody and it wasn't was, low enough. And it wasn't low enough. <laughs> it was still it, like 80 points. Yeah. It, it, when I when I put that you know I said I thought Maybe a little bit of a slump, but I mean, I think he was just going to kind of stay about where he was. I didn't think he was going to elevate anything. I think he was just going to kind of be there. I didn't I didn't imagine he was going to go through the struggles he did in the entire month of May. So you, we, have, we have got to have Sonny DeShera pick that game back up again. We can't see the, the continued May struggles, and I understand there's a lot of pitchers that are pitching around him. He's drawing walks, which is great. You're getting on base, but... Uh, You know, for a guy that has the pop with the bat that he does, you you really want to see those numbers start going up as we get here in June and and in postseason play.
1: Off and rolling here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Again, Tom Peavy, Austin Scott, Ryan LaVoy. My name is JJ Jackson. We're back in a moment here on Tiger ninety-five point nine.
0: JJ Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334 887 3401. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger
1: 95.9 on the program at Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM. We're getting set to chat with the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, here on the program. Looking forward to catching up with him and talking about this Auburn baseball team getting set for the NCAA Regionals this upcoming weekend. Another big news story that's taking place in Auburn today that's official. Alan Flanagan has announced he will return to Auburn. This was expected, but he was able to go get NBA draft feedback. And uh, yeah, very exciting to see Flanagan come back for the Auburn team should be back into the starting lineup for the Tigers this upcoming season and Austin I know we were looking at uh, Fox Sports put something out a little bit earlier I want you to run through it but uh, Auburn one of the top teams in the entire country with production coming back
4: yeah it's kind of interesting when you think about Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler both gone a lot of fans are like oh well you know that's Those are two big losses, and they are, but Fox Sports saying Auburn's still returning 65% of their minutes uh, from last season to next season. Uh, which is eighth in the country. So still a lot to uh, come, and Auburn needs Alan Flanagan to return to form a little yeah, bit yeah. and to get some confidence there again. Um, but still a lot of production returning for Bruce Pearl's squad and with new talent coming in
2: as well. That, that was the thing I was going to say. Yeah, you, you still have a lot of uh, production coming back. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at Treora coming in and, and some of these other – the freshmen that are coming in uh, outside Broom. of him, uh, Broom. uh I mean the future looks bright. I, I don't see how Auburn is not a preseason top ten team. Uh I would I would put them top ten, just knowing what they have, uh Knowing what they have coming back and knowing the what talent that they're they're adding to the roster, I, I don't know that this team necessarily misses a beat and, and could be even better if Flanagan can get back to form because, I mean, he obviously struggled a lot last year coming off of that injury. And, yeah, I'd love to see Flanagan get back to the Flanagan that we saw two years ago.
1: Again, percentage of returning minutes next season among major conference teams. Virginia leads the way. It was a down year for Tony Bennett's Virginia Cavaliers who won the 2019 National Championship but they return 87.8% of their minutes. They're going to have a big season. Uh, Indiana second at 78.1, TCU third 76.7. The North Carolina Tar Heels, who made it to the Final Four, made it to the National Championship game before falling to Kansas. They've got 73.3% of their minutes coming back. Boston College fifth, Arizona sixth, Vanderbilt seventh, and the Auburn Tigers eighth, 64.9% of their minutes for Returning as Flanagan announces he will come back to Auburn for his senior season.
3: It's kind of a – I don't want to say it's misleading, um, but but here's the thing. It illustrates two things. One, there is a lot returning for Auburn. However, the, the two best players on the team are the two that are gone. So I, I don't want to say that that stat does mean anything because – Wendell Green Jr. is a good player. Katie Johnson is a good player. Flanagan certainly has the potential, uh, and there's other role players back. But uh, aside from the transfer of Cambridge, the only two guys to, to be gone are your two best players. So Jabari Smith and, and Walker Kessler. Uh, I, I'm glad Alan Flanagan's coming back when the season ended and we were spitballing around what would happen in the transfer portal, I was a little pessimistic. I thought that there was a, a decent chance he would leave. Uh, I didn't know through what mechanism but I just figured that he had had such a disappointing season with the injury and then having losing some offensive confidence I felt that he would maybe decide to go elsewhere and try and regenerate that confidence because we know after his sophomore season he was being mocked in the late first early second round of the NBA draft like it was not far fetched at all for him to leave and then he came back and then had a disappointing season so I figured with that combination and the way we see the transfer portal utilized these days I thought there was a decent chance that what happened. So I was glad to kind of see throughout the process that that was never really an issue and he was just going through the NBA process to try and, and get some looks and, and see what he needed to improve upon. I, I think we can all figure out what he needs to improve upon. He needs to have a more consistent jump shot and he needs to drive and finish with a little bit more confidence uh, offensively. And and so yeah, I, I, I think that he is going to be one of the more interesting players for Auburn next year. Not, you know, some of the guys will be interesting because they're new. Some guys will be interesting because they have high potentials. But he will be interesting in a different way because he will have such a um, an unknown to him because we know that there's a point in his career where he was scoring 16 17 points a game so we know that that is somewhere within him but we also know it's possible that he does not shoot from, well from the perimeter at all and does not play good offensive basketball and ends up being a five point score and so there's a he's interesting because there's going to be such a wide variety of outcomes to what next season looks like for him he could end up being one of the key players or he could end up being uh, a guy that will end up not playing as much and end up you know kind of falling to to a bench role so I, I think that uh, it's good to get him back but there's just going to be a lot of unknown with him I, I feel next season
4: well I think too the, the biggest thing sometimes can be that you, you hear what you should do in, in any situation from, from people you're used to hearing from. We obviously hold Bruce Pearl in high regard, and so do his players. But they've heard Bruce and, and even his own dad talk about this is what you need to do better. Now he goes off and he hears from GMs or, and coaches in this G League camp that can, can tell him what they see from his game in another perspective. And he, it looks like he does pretty well there. Um, and see some of that confidence back in attacking the rim. Um, so hopefully that's a good sign for Auburn with him coming back. Um, and hopefully Auburn for Auburn and for his sake, he gets the Alan Flanagan of form we saw before.
1: The one thing I would add to that that's so important to point out was the fact that Flanagan was a G League Combine invite. The NBA yeah. Combine had 76 players invited. There are only 58 draft picks this year. 60 in a normal year, but two teams had to forfeit their picks. 76 players invited to the NBA – and Flanagan wasn't even one of those 76. Right. You've got 76 that were invited to a combine when there's only 58 selections that can take place. So just kind of looking at the numbers, you can kind of just look at the... I mean, we could have had this conversation six weeks ago when those invites were starting to go out and say, wait a minute... Not, you're going to the G League Combine right. invite and not the NBA. So, and so
3: that's why it was never really a concern that he would come back. I, I was just kind of alluding to earlier in the process when it was maybe more you know, there could be a transfer portal decision to be made. But I, I still think that you go, even if it is to the G League camp, I still think it's a good idea to do that because you know whether Flanagan makes a big jump next year and gets back into the discussion of top 30 or 40 picks in the NBA draft or not, if you want to have a professional career and especially in America you're going to have to at least make a G League run and and at this point I feel like it would probably be far-fetched for Flanagan to make it so high up in the NBA draft next year that he's not going to end up in the G League at some point you know he's going to be at best a two-way guy but he's got such a great NBA body that if he can use that more confidently once he drives or if he develops a jump shot like the size is not the issue with him it's just honing in on those offense of skills to make him more desirable for the league
1: we've got to take a commercial break on the other side of this break andy burcham the voice of the auburn tigers will be a guest on our program that's coming up next here on sports call
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Jake Crane, host of The J Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call.
1: back in. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan Lavoie and Austin Scott. We've got our buddy Tom Peavy here in the studio as well. And we're going to go to our Auburn Bank phone line right now and uh, we're so thrilled to be able to chat here With the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham joins us here on the program. Hello there, Andy. Gentlemen, how are things today on Sports Call?
2: Uh, We're great. Oh, yeah. Doing great. Uh, Andy, always glad to hear you.
1: It's great to be heard. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a fun time of year. Here we are in June, and we're getting set for postseason baseball, Andy, and the Auburn Tigers get the opportunity to host an NCAA regional. How good of a feeling is that?
5: Well, it's terrific. One, to be back in the tournament. Um, Auburn missed it a year ago. It was a tough year for a number of reasons. And then came into this season, and, and very few expected this Auburn team to do anything. It's been dead last in the SEC West. And here we are in the, the month of June in 2022 and getting ready to host a regional starting Friday with what should be a terrific first game at 11 o'clock between UCLA and Florida State. And then Auburn and Southeastern Louisiana play at 6. And uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait for Auburn's first home regional in 12 years.
1: Yeah, no, and obviously I want to get to more of the matchups in just a moment and that sort of thing, Andy, but you found out like the rest of us when the regional would be being played at Auburn and you're following along with all the reporting and I know that you're constantly aware of projections that are out there and that sort of thing. I'm just curious from your perspective, Andy, what were the emotions you experienced over the weekend? Because it looked like Auburn was in a good spot and then they weren't and then they were and back and forth it went.
5: Yeah, and I'm not sure why that continues to, to happen. Uh, when we get to this time of the season, with the prognosticators out there, um, this was an Auburn team that, that that won 16 games in the SEC this year, and had an RPI in the top 15 this year, and in the SEC West among the top four teams, it was the only team that played Tennessee this year, and I, I, I guess I guess my my first emotion was relief. That this team would be hosted, we were at we were at a graduation dinner for for Josh, and walked out. And I mean, as soon as we walked out of the restaurant, is when the announcement came. And I looked down and saw it on Twitter. And I was I was thrilled one for this team and this staff, uh, relieved for this team and this staff, and then thrilled that we're not on the road, that we're at home, and we'll get to host a regional for the first time in 12 years. So. A lot of different emotions, but uh, I, I think this is this team is absolutely justified in hosting a regional. And uh, certainly looking forward to it starting on Friday.
1: Yeah, so they're going to start on Friday. As you said, you've got UCLA, Florida State, Southeastern Louisiana in the mix. We learned Saturday night that they are going to get to host We're Sunday. We've got to wait until Monday on Memorial Day to figure out uh, who all is going to be in that field. ESPN introduces our baseball coaches, Butch Johnson instead of Thompson, which was a fun moment for everybody. But but kind of tell us about the field that's going to be coming to Plainsman Park, Andy.
5: Well, it's a terrific field that comes to Plainsman Park. In southeastern Louisiana, you have the Southland Conference champions, a team that has won six consecutive elimination games. And this is a team that had a nine-game losing streak going into into April. And to say it's turned, turned things around is an understatement. It's a team that loves to run. It's a team that pitches it well. In Preston Faulkner, their leading hitter, He also has 17 homers and 70 runs batted in. And then Rhett Rosevear is in the the top of the order as well. He's been hit by a pitch 35 times this year. This team has two guys with at least 25 stolen bases. They have 113 as a team. And while Auburn has done a great job this season of corralling a team's running game, that will not stop Southeastern Louisiana from running on Auburn. The only way Auburn can stop Southeastern Louisiana from trying to run Friday night is to keep the Lions off the base paths. So that's that's the second matchup. And then the first matchup is just outstanding. You have Florida State, which has been to 44 straight NCAA tournaments this year, which is an, an astounding stat. And then UCLA from the Pac-12, which has World Series championships under its belt coming from the west coast this is a really really good field and i think there's going to be a lot of people out there for that 11 o'clock game me included that will enjoy just watching two uh, baseball college baseball's all-time greats playing that first game of the tournament here at 11 o'clock on friday
1: it's going to be a fun atmosphere indeed and it's happening here in auburn for the first time since 2010 what do you remember from that 2010 regional andy Creed well, Simpson. I remember, uh, yeah, well, that,
6: that,
5: that's certainly one name that, that comes to mind. And, and the home run that he hit in the top of the ninth. Remember, that was a top of the ninth home run. And Auburn was down to its last strike of the season when Simpson hit that home run just to the right of the monster out in left field. Yeah. And, and it was a three-run shot, and Auburn stayed off elimination for one more night. Of course, Clemson won the regional the next night that Monday. Uh, I remember the weather that we had at that time. At that time, I was working for the Auburn Network. We had a massive lightning strike uh, that hit the tower, and we had to do some work just to keep the network and the radio stations on the air on a Saturday night. Uh, That was before the Creed Simpson home run on Sunday. And then I also remember the win against Southern Miss that, that put Auburn into... The championship round, and Hunter Morris, who's now the hitting coach at Alabama, hit a grand slam in that game, setting Auburn's single season record for home runs. Uh, it was a it was a wild regional. Auburn lost that Saturday game to Clemson, that put Auburn in the the, the losers bracket at that point. And of course, it was a uh, Clemson ended up winning it. Uh, but that's what I remember. You know, that was Auburn's first trip to the NCAA tournament in a long time, let alone hosting. Auburn had not hosted until uh, before, or since 2003, before that. So there was a lot of emotion, a lot of weather that weekend, and it's certainly the the, the dramatic home run by Creed Simpson uh, against Clemson. And it, it so mirrored what David Ross did in 97. David Ross, of course, was playing for the injured Casey Dunn, hit the home run in his hometown it was a walk-off home run against Florida State on a Saturday. Auburn came back and, and, and won the, the regional uh, against Florida State, where his mother worked in the athletic department. Right. And then Creed Simpson, of course, hits a home run in his hometown, um, had come in for the injured Trent Mummy in that game, and, you know, just all the emotion. It was different because it was an elimination game for Auburn. It was a top-of-the-ninth-inning. Home run, of course. Auburn held on and and won that game. But the emotion—if you listen to Rod's call of both of those home runs—I mean, it's it's just sheer emotion of the moment. And um, yeah, they're, they're they're two memorable plays that that I was fortunate enough to be a part of the broadcast. But. But what stands out is the outstanding call by our friend Rod Brambler.
2: Yeah, and, and that was what I was going to talk about the the Creed Simpson home run in particular, just such an iconic. Call really by both of you, uh, put us in the press box when that happens. I, I mean, it, it, all you can do is hear just the emotions coming out of both of you up there. But I mean, what was it like in the press box? I, I'd imagine it had to be like pandemonium because the stadium just came apart when when that ball left the ballpark. I mean, really, when it left the bat, yeah, the stadium just absolutely had a full on come apart. I'd imagine the press box was full on come apart as well.
5: Well, as Jeff Foxworthy likes to call it, it was Pandelerium <laughs> at the ballpark. And now listen, Auburn was down to its final strike not only in the game but of the season Right at that moment. I mean, it was not just that game. It was the season because Auburn had lost the day before, the Clemson, And like against Florida State, both were three-run homers and both were bad sliders, sliders that hung and you're right I mean when Creed hit it it was gone and you can yeah. tell it in Rod's voice you listen to both of those calls in 97 and in 2010 when the ball is hit Rod knows immediately that the game is over and what I remember about that that play in 2010 that home run is just standing up um, and, and watching it go out of the ballpark and Rod's call and then I, I jump in a little bit but and, and we don't, I've, I've seen a couple of the highlights. Right. Um, referencing what you don't see in those highlights are the people, the stands. And I love this aspect. You know, it's a big play when on TV you, you see the stands and you see people jumping up and down. People aren't <laughs> just clapping their hands, right. they're people jumping up and down, hugging each other. There's somebody that jumped out of, out of the stands. And on to the concourse. I hope he didn't break his ankle
6: <laughs> oh in, in doing
5: that. But I mean, it was it was an iconic moment for that time. And um, it, it gave Auburn life, as it turned out, for for one more day yeah. in, in that season. But it was it was certainly dramatic. And you watch Creed Simpson Homer, you, and there there's no backflip, there's no there's no gesture to the Auburn dugout, which was the first base dugout in that game. Yeah. You see him hit the ball, it goes out, and the next thing you see of Creed Simpson, he's already around second base. <laughs> there, there was no, you know, he, he didn't do anything to celebrate other than run the bases and then come to home plate. It's, it's a different day and age 12 years later uh, from what we see now.
4: Andy, you alluded to that David Ross home run against Florida State—the uh, first of many times Auburn and Florida State have met in the regional. Are you were you surprised when Florida State ended up again, or not, is it just everyone? Not a bit. That's right.
5: Not not a bit. And I I, I picked Florida State to come here. Uh, I was talking with Jason Caldwell, who was sitting one table over from me in the recruiting lounge uh, as we were watching it, and and we all were speculating. Who's coming? I said Florida State's coming here. The the SC or the NCAA has a dark sense of humor, and they're sitting back and chuckling. Uh, and and listen, guys, that's twenty five years ago. That Ross home run. It's a quarter century uh, last weekend for that Ross home run. So there is some symmetry to Florida State coming to Auburn this weekend for the first time ever. You know, Auburn doesn't go to Tallahassee this year. Tallahassee comes to Auburn. Thankfully. Uh, And they will bring great fans. They have terrific fans. And I think Southeastern Louisiana will bring a big contingent from Hammond over here. I don't know so much about UCLA because that's such a long trip from the West Coast. But, I mean, if you've tried to get tickets, man, it's tough. You're having to go to StubHub right now to get your tickets if you don't already have them at this point. Or you're going to be up on the parking deck. or One of the best seats this weekend, guys, is is out beyond the right center field wall, that area that they've opened up out there. Huh. Bring your lawn chairs and your grill and whatever else to enjoy this weekend. And I would be there for the first game to make sure you you have a seat for Auburn's game at 6 o'clock Friday
1: night. No kidding. Auburn baseball getting set for the NCAA regionals. Our guest, Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. And, Andy, not that you need any help with creativity in the slightest bit. And, honestly, knowing Brad Law the way that I do, your broadcast partner, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this has been brought up. But if you wanted to drop some Wizard of Oz references, knowing that we're going to have Lions and Tigers and Bears, oh, my, at Plainsman yeah. Park, I think that's, that's quite clever. I'm proud of myself. For yeah. coming up with that, at least Andy, nicely done, JJ. We we already <laughs> we already set up the equipment. We went over this morning. How about at 10 that? O'clock and set
5: up the equipment, and the ballpark is looking great. By the way, the grounds crew at Auburn does a magnificent job, and they were out there working today. I mean, this ballpark will be pristine when that first pitch is thrown Friday morning at eleven. But I, uh, you know, we we haven't been able to do this very often. This will just be the fourth regional for Auburn since I've been doing the games. In 99 when Auburn won it against Tulane. And then, of course, in 03 when Ohio State won here. And in 2010 when Clemson won here. And um, it it, it just continues what Butch Thompson has done as Auburn's baseball coach. And working against all the scholarship limits that you have here in this state that other states do not have with the lottery and, and whatever. Is working. I mean, it, it, it is dramatic what Butch Thompson has done with this baseball program, and uh, I think it's going to be an electric. And listen, this is as well-attended season as Auburn's ever had at Plainsman Park, and it will only be. It, we will only add to that this weekend. It should be just an electric atmosphere. I mean, we've had you know think about some of the the, the games that, that we've been able to, to to work at this year. That that Alabama, the Iron Bowl. Uh, back in you know last year was just and even though Auburn lost that game in overtime what a great atmosphere think about when Alabama came here or when Kentucky came here uh, to to Auburn or now Neville Arena for those basketball games and and that atmosphere there we're going to see that kind of atmosphere out here this weekend for for Auburn and, and southeastern Louisiana on Friday and then Saturday is the the elimination game first and then that winners' bracket game that will start at six o'clock on Saturday. Uh, I can't wait. I'm, I've, I've been ready for this for a long, long time, and I mean, Brad could tell that I was. I was a little bit geeked when we came in the office here yesterday. Back in the office since the uh, Memorial Day weekend, and I, I was ready. Give me the notes. Yeah. I want to work on this right now. So. I'm pumped. I'm ready to
1: go. Amazing stuff. On Twitter, at a Bertram 04. Let me give you one more before we let you get out of here. Andy, always far too kind with your time. You tweeted about this a little bit earlier today, but this upcoming year, you mentioned Neville Arena. You're going to see number 22 back in there for the Auburn Tigers. Alan Flanagan is coming back. Tell us about that move by Flanagan and just the hype, the excitement that you've got for next year's basketball squad. We're a ways away, but uh, we're always fired yeah. up to see what Bruce Pearl and company can do. And,
5: and you know, he had a chance. I mean, he could have he could have stayed in the draft and gone to the G League. He could have been paid this coming year, and I think he would have been playing in the G League. But, but I'm excited about Alan Flanagan back at Auburn, and I'm excited about a healthy Alan Flanagan. I don't think he was ever healthy for Auburn this past year. I don't think that was ever the case. I think he was still fighting that and, and, and came back, and I thought was courageous in coming back and giving Auburn what he could. Last year, but that's going to be a healthy Allen Plan again. And remember what he was like uh, in in 2021, and and what he meant to that team. And you know that was a guy that averaged 15 points a game for Auburn two years ago, before the Achilles problem that 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 knocked him out for about a third of this coming se- this this past season. I think it gives Bruce Pearl just even more ammunition, guys. Uh, this team is as, as I mentioned. Uh, My my brother sent me a text when when it was announced today, and I just sent him a text back. I said, this team's locked and loaded. It's ready for another great year. And listen, no one gets more out of his players in the SEC than Bruce Pearl does. And now Bruce Pearl is getting those top-of-the-line recruits to come in, and he's continuing to develop those. A guy like a Walker Kessler who transferred in last year. Certainly, you you look at at, at the guy that's going to be the number one draft pick for Auburn this year as well. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm a little pumped about that too, but let's play baseball this weekend.
4: One last off-topic off, off topic question for you, Andy. Did you expect competition in the podcast world to come internally when we saw Huddle with that?
1: Horse? <laughs> How about that? He, he's not messing around, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Andy, we'll be listening to you this weekend for Auburn baseball. Thank you, as always, for the time. Greatly appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's Andy Burcham, our good buddy, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, we've uh, got the hour coming to a close here in just a moment, but Huddle with Hars, Brian Harson's podcast. Uh, And of course, Andy Burcham always hosting the Talking Tigers podcast. That is so good. Uh, I would recommend both of those podcasts and the Sports Call one as well if you miss any of our shows. So a lot of good memories. Good chat there with Andy about uh, what's going to be an exciting week Coming up for this Auburn baseball team, so awesome stuff as always from him and Tom. He's one of our favorites. Uh, he yeah. hosted the show. He helped launch the show 27 years ago. Yeah, which is always crazy to think about.
2: Oh yeah, I I, I love talking about. Uh, I love talking to Andy about anything, but I you know especially talking about that game against Clemson back in 2010 and that trips call. back
1: down memory lane. I, I didn't know if we
2: had the. I didn't know if we had that call pulled up to where we could. Uh, play Not
1: on it. the fly like that. That yeah. would have been smooth if we did, but. Yeah. we got to get back with our Auburn Sports just Network folks to such a, hear that one. Such yeah.
2: an incredible, iconic call. And just to, to see it and to hear it and to hear Rod's voice and, and Andy, uh, yeah. to relive that. And then he was talking about some of these other players, you know, Trent Mummy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I had completely forgotten about <laughs> Trent Mummy. And uh, Man. His memory is great. great. T- oh, yeah. His memory such is great. Such a great, great. time.
1: And he posted on Twitter, again, about uh, Flanagan coming back. But as he alluded to, he also posted that they've already set up their broadcast gear for uh, for, for Friday night. They're fired up, ready to go. And you, of course, can listen to Andy Birchman, Brad Law, on the call on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, 545 Friday. They will be going on the air. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout on the other side of this break. It'll be hour number two. The first hour has flown by. We still will celebrate birthdays. We talk with Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post and more. All of that coming up right here on Sports Call, alongside Austin Scott, Tom Peavy, and Ryan Lavoy. My name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Austin Scott, Ryan LeVoy. I've got a good trio here in the building with me today for the program. Uh, we had a good conversation with Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers to end our number one. Coming up at 4.30, we will have Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post back on our show. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals getting underway and hear about some of the Washington Post coverage. Ben Golliver has been been one of our frequent guests on the program, but Jerry Brewer will be our guest a little bit later in the hour. Uh, we're going to have more likely to happen in the final hour of the show today on this Wednesday. So a one week hiatus and wacky Wednesday, but still a lot of good stuff to uh, get into on our show here. Again, Auburn baseball gets set for the regionals this weekend at home at Plainsman Park. Alan Flanagan is coming back for another season for the Auburn men's basketball team. I mean, it's It might be June 1st. You might think it's going into the dead of summer, but here we are. We do have a good number of storylines and headlines to be discussing uh, with Auburn Athletics. It's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. No, you don't always have this going into the month of June. Obviously, the NCAA Baseball Tournament will after the end of the school year. uh, And here we are about a month after graduation or just under a month after graduation, and Auburn is still trying to compete for an national championship. We just saw their golf teams make pretty deep runs into the NCAA tournament and, and then of course with baseball and, and the road to Omaha just now starting here at the beginning of June.
1: No kidding. I mean, fired up, ready to rock and roll with uh, this weekend and all the sporting events that are going to take place. Uh, we mentioned other Auburn athletic teams. I know Auburn softball uh, one of the teams that we discuss a good bit. All those games were heard exclusively right here on WTGC Tagger 95.9 FM. We saw the end of our May monthly predictions. One of those was how many home runs would Bree Ellis finish the year with? The answer was 20, as she set the all-time freshman record for home runs. Brooks Childress and I got that point for those monthly predictions, and uh, I'm fired up because I was able to win the month of May in monthly predictions Last place in the year 2022. And uh, look, they say a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while, and it seems as though I've come across a victory. Tom, you were right behind me with four po- points here in may uh, but uh, what a fun competitive month it was oh yeah
2: uh i mentioned the fact that i got the, the Sonny right Deshara, the Sonny uh, you know which was not good that i won that one <laughs> <laughs> I, I predicted the lowest score and and still was above what he did so got to correct that uh, sunny sunny's got to get back going and then uh i you'd have to get the i can't who did i pick to win the the coca-cola 600 I can't remember um, who I picked for that.
1: A uh, lot of Chase Elliott predictions right. were made for that one. I know Ryan had Joey Logano. Hamlin won. So. And no one predicted Hamlin who yeah. won. So I would have to I'd have to pull back up yeah. specifically it's what coming. you had. Tom, your points came on the Sonny Deshara, the NBA finals matchup correctly predicted. The only three people to get the Celtics Warriors prediction right was myself tom and ryan and then tom you also had austin riley right. as to be the home run leader for the braves I, in
2: may martin truex juniors who i said was going to win how how about that race though that coca-cola 600 uh five and a half hours goodness gracious uh i mean wreck after wreck and then the one just brutal wreck the car went flying airborne spitzer, yeah. flipping across the the infield man I, I didn't think that race was ever going to get over with like you said five hours of it it's already a long race it's right. the longest race there is uh on the circuit but uh man that one just with the abundance of cautions with 19
3: caution flags or i don't remember the exact number but i know a crew chief was talking uh after the race and said you don't expect the 600 mile race to have zero green flag pit stops yeah, they didn't have a single green flag pit stop uh, scheduled. I mean, some right. people blew a tire and had to sure. come down pit road, but but there's no scheduled pit stops for green under green flag because there were cautions every twenty to forty no. laps.
2: That, that's it, Memorial Day weekend is just such a good. Sports weekend because I got up early, watched the Indy 500, yep, you know, wasted a little bit of time, and then it was time for the Coca Cola 600. And I, I was like, man, this is great. And in between, you got golf going on, you've got other stuff going on. I mean, Memorial Day weekend that's just a it's a, I, yeah. I, an iconic sports weekend that, uh, that that has so many great
3: events going on. Well, and uh, in game seven of the Eastern Conference finals ended up that, being that yeah. night as well. Yeah, we had uh, Boston, and Miami
2: at uh, at Fat Daddy's, we had Coca cola 600 going on one tv and the final or the the game seven on the other ones so uh yeah trying to getting a crick in the neck trying to watch (laughs) back and forth between what was going on there
1: a lot of great content to take in that's for sure uh with what we saw over this past weekend speaking of racing uh we'll make this announcement as well, we uh, we've got a really exciting opportunity next week, as we've been able to chat with Brett Holmes directly, who is a Auburn University graduate. He's currently uh, racing and part time in the NASCAR Truck Series, a 2020 Ardenard Champion of the sport. He's going to join our show next week, which will be awesome to have an Auburn connection in the world of racing. And then we're going to hold off on another exciting announcement, but let's just say some pretty big racing names in NASCAR we've been talking with their PR folks uh, and we should have some cool guests coming our way uh, over the next few weeks so uh, trying to get into the racing world Tom you did such a good job uh, back in your OA news days of of covering the sport and got a lot of really cool stories from being on the infield there at Talladega but uh, we're gonna have some fun interviews coming up over the next few weeks
2: yeah yeah I I, yeah a lot of great stories a lot of the great people that I met on the infield uh, either met or just saw uh, celebrity-wise. I mean, it's—I I don't want to say it's like a who's who, but I mean, periodically you're going to see celebrities out uh, there in the infield and hanging out in the garage area, uh, meeting a bunch of those drivers. I mean, that, a lot of those guys are so just down-to-earth dudes and and fun to talk to. So it's going to be awesome to get some of those guys on the on the show with us.
1: We love racing. We love. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm saying we, and I would have not, I would have not like said we prior uh to 2020 but when obviously everything shut down and then they came back and nascar was the first thing really going on and that sort of thing and right. being good buddies with ryan and doing the show with you tom and being buddies with you i mean it was just like i started to get dialed into the sport and uh let, let's talk about it
3: yeah. do you want me to throw you for a loop <laughs> okay where, do, where are they racing this weekend
1: sonoma is next weekend
3: yeah it's in two weekends yeah
1: this weekend and it's not father's day it's kind, weekend. Of, it's kind
3: of a trick question yeah keep going
1: is it the road course nope. in charlotte
3: nope no that's in the playoffs. charlotte roval
1: okay i don't know where are they racing
3: worldwide technology raceway it's the first time that nascar cup series has ever raced there it was formerly called gateway um and it's been a part of the xfinity series
1: so clearly i'm not knowledgeable time. enough okay where is this at
3: Um, I believe WWT it's in the I want to say it's in the Midwest maybe Illinois Madison, Illinois just east of St. Louis there you go so very good (laughs) so but anyway they to my certainly not in my lifetime uh, have they have the Cup Series raced at, at Worldwide Technology Raceway so that's a brand new track um, for for a lot of these guys. Now, some of the most of these guys came up in the Xfinity series, so they've they've seen it um, in the quote unquote AAA of NASCAR, but but never in these Cup cars. And of course, we have a brand new Cup car this year, anyway. So everything's kind of a learning experience. But yeah, you you don't see that every every uh, every year, even that uh, we have a new track on the schedule. But uh, yeah, brand new track this weekend.
1: Can't wait to see that then. Yeah. If it's been an Xfinity series deal, and now we're yep. going up to the cup it's kind series. of so kind that's of oddly a, that's shaped a big step up for yeah. that course. What NASCAR
2: has over the last couple of years, uh, NASCAR's viewership and attendances had started going down, and they're trying to rejuvenate that whole deal uh they were kind of at one of their highest points when you had Dale earnhardt jr and jeff gordon and and jimmy johnson and and those iconic guys and once they decided to retire i think a lot of interest kind of went away they're trying to rejuvenate things with some of these younger guys uh make them the iconic faces of nascar but then they're also doing a lot of different things a brand new track that they've never been to At Bristol, they're doing the dirt. They do the dirt race. They did the uh, the uh, they did the thing in the L.A. Coliseum. It's not an official race. It was a it used to be called uh, shootout. Yeah, but it's like an exhibition type race inside the L.A. Coliseum. Um, Just trying to do a lot of different things to generate that interest again. And uh, you know, if they keep having races like that, Coca-Cola Six Hundred, that that's going to generate interest. And, And I hate to say the wrecks generate interest, but I mean that's what a lot of people see and kind of get into it because most people think that well, okay they're just driving around in circles well right, and it's right. like, well, i mean there's so much more to it but at least when you get the bumping and and knocking each other around and and just everything like that then it, it gets you interested uh and i think the stages doing the stages where you have races within the race that has been a big boost because we've talked about it before uh, you know at talladega and daytona it had gotten to the point where they would just line up and run like around laps pass yeah you know. they would just run around in circles they weren't challenging each other they would get in line and in the draft and they would just drive around in circles and it just got boring and now that you have the races within the race they're really competing for those points and so you see a lot of the jockeying for position uh a lot of the uh the pit stops and kind of the chess matches that go on throughout that race within the main race it's pretty cool and uh i mean i've always enjoyed it even without you know losing some of those iconic guys to retirement and there's not really any of these that i follow just like religiously like i am a chase elliott fan right? and i'm a true x fan I just love the sport. It's so interesting, and knowing about the insides of what goes on there from my times covering at Talladega, it's it's fun.
1: Be a Chase Elliott fan. From three Chase Elliott fans here in the studio, it's a great life um, choice. I liked his dad. Okay, well, all right, we'll take it. Uh, let's Austin take a Bill break. From Dawson We're back with more Sports Call right after this.
0: have your attention please
5: ladies and gentlemen
0: can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show Hi,
6: my name is
4: what? my name is what? my name is
0: sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm sammy coates former auburn football player and all sec wide receiver and you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
1: Welcome back into the sports call, Tiger ninety-five point
2: nine FM. You almost said the Thunder Chicken show. <laughs> I know.
1: I, <laughs> here we are talking about Thunder Chickens in the break, and and uh, I was completely thrown off when I've got to get back serious yeah. on the show. Uh, but it's June, and we started Thunder Chicken Softball in June of twenty twenty one. So yeah. we're hopeful that uh, we can get it started once again here by the end of the month. Yeah, were we relegated? I hope not, but it would not surprise me. <laughs> Although I feel like we were looking at some standings before we started last year, and like there were teams that were winless. You know, like I don't, I, I, I find so, for, I find it hard to believe that we were just this anomaly of a team that was well, put together. Okay, no. Are you talking
3: about for last year's standings? Yes. No, we were next to last. No,
1: but I'm, say, I, I'm no, saying, I
3: know, I'm saying, I'm saying when we signed
1: up. Right, and we were looking at some of the standings of teams prior. I feel like I saw winless teams no. in there. I
3: saw. I remember seeing like a two and twelve team. Okay, or one one more we played fourteen or twelve, maybe a two and ten team. Yeah, I certainly think that there were teams that were bad. And again, the the thing is, is that the game we played, or the game we ended up not playing, with, right? Um, the I, I don't remember what they were called, but. That was the team that was really bad. So we got that forfeit victory, but that team forfeited the rest of the season because the first two weeks, They'd, they were losing 15 nothing, 16-3 like we were. So we would have had a very competitive game that we I would have probably even favored us in because if they had the character to quit and we kept playing through it, I'm just saying, I like that it. That was our like toilet it. bowl. So... Exactly, and so I think we would have got earned a real victory last year if we'd play that team, but that team quit quit the league four, four games in.
1: So I'm looking at the spring standings right now, and the Buffet Busters went 0 and 12 in the spring, and then the Bombero the Bombers too hard. they went two and ten.
3: Yeah, so there might be one team at the bottom each year, but there's not going to be multiple winless teams. Y'all come play this summer. <laughs>
4: Join <laughs> us. Buffet Busters would like you to play <laughs> with us this summer.
1: <laughs> uh, not on our team. We'll make no, that no, clear. No, no, we no. want to beat we, the Buffet Busters. Like, yeah. uh, they should sign up to play We're, we're
4: hopeful that we've upgraded the pitching this year <laughs> and I, we, we
3: found a new ace. We need to set up some practices and honestly, have like a pitching tryout or something, and get like no, I'm serious. Yeah, get like I, our three best hitters man. to take swings off of these pitchers and see which one's more difficult, or see if there's anything that the hitters notice. I'm dead serious. I think because okay, here's the yeah, thing. JJ, you walked way too. Many JJ people last did year. walk a lot of people, and I'm not <laughs> trying to be disrespectful here, but I still don't know if there's a team that gave up more home runs than us either. Like, it was still two or three a game that we were wow, giving up. I mean, that's there's not much you can do about that. Yeah, but these other pitchers weren't giving up as many home runs. I, uh, but nobody the, on our team
1: was hitting home runs. Yeah. That would always be my – nobody on our team was hitting home runs.
3: Right, but I don't – like, I'm saying in the other games, do you remember just seeing a bunch of tanks hit? when we few. were watching. Yeah, I think, I think some, the, some of those
2: teams just have some guys that just mash, and it doesn't matter what you throw it, uh-huh. it, I mean,
3: it's a slow-pitch softball, so you toss it up there.
2: I
1: do see what you're saying. You're advocating for a new pitcher.
3: I'm just saying that it, it no. was a fishy amount of times that after a walk, there would immediately be a home run right after that. We need right. some ground ball pitchers is what we need. And I recall, and you guys, Tom, you can probably attest to this, some of those guys have put some spin on the ball. Like a couple of those guys, flat out got it to move left to right or right to left.
2: Which I vividly remember that. It's slow pitch softball. It's
1: supposed to be a toss.
2: I I don't know about left to right, but I mean, you'll see guys they'll uh, they'll put backspin on it instead of uh, instead of just tossing it right like normal. They'll actually flip it underhanded. That's what I'm talking about. And you'll get that backspin. I don't know about moving left to right, but definitely coming in with a with a backspin on it. That's going to be harder to. You're kind of inducing more just pop ups. Backspin. So I just got a text from a
4: friend of mine who's uh-huh. in my small group, and he was on the buffet busters this spring. Okay. <laughs>
1: will, will you ask yeah, him if they'll be back for the again. summer?
3: He's like, we can we can start a right before this is not a perfect example. But, start
1: a rivalry. <laughs> yeah, we,
3: but but um, this is not a perfect example before the lightning got really good. People would make fun of the fact that the Lightning and Panthers were rivals in the NHL because it's like, what are these two Florida teams in <laughs> hockey doing hating each other when they're not worth the salt, you know? And Florida has been historically bad. Tampa's a way superior organization, yeah. uh, but it was like you got all these famous teams in the NHL, Penguins, and all you know, Edmonton, and all these Canadian teams that have existed for a long time, Boston Bruins. And then here's the Tampa Bay Lightning and Florida Panthers like slap fighting (laughs) in the NHL as rivals. And so I feel like that's what we could be. We could have like a bottom of the totem pole fight while the rest of the league is like, who are these two teams? But we'd have fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I'm ready to play. And again, but now I don't know if I'm going to play because I don't know that I have a position anymore. So we shall see. You
3: You could hit better than some of the guys on the team, though. You were hitting the opposite field.
1: I appreciate that, but where am I going to play
3: catcher? You don't, and not DH. <laughs> they
1: okay. have a
3: DH. They have extra hitter. Okay, there's ten hit. in the lineup, isn't there? Yeah, but you can at least catch the ball, so we could put you behind. And we and had play. thirteen catcher, yeah. batters, you know, which was probably a mistake in hindsight. I don't know if the we you need should put all thirteen in the lineup. We need a new manager. We do need a new
4: manager. Yes. I'm not suggesting you. I'm just right. saying we need a new manager.
1: Is so who? Still? But but who's going to pitch? That's the other thing. We got to have a tryout. That's the other thing. Too, because also, when people pitch, they don't want the ball hit back to them. Because you got like, people are hitting rockets in slow pitch softball yeah, right back at you.
2: I mean, do we not have, uh, do we not have, hold uh, his, can, I can picture him. I can't remember his name. Yeah,
4: the
1: mask. RJ. 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 I'm not sure if I haven't spoke with him since the no. season ended. I'd he be might, willing to extend an invitation to put him. The odds, he might have gotten um, a better offer in free agency. Well, he's played many leagues before. I mean, like you're saying, Tom sure. he showed up with pitching gear. Like, yeah, he
2: was, I mean, he, he's like he was used to this. Yeah, he, I mean, wanted six he was used to this. We would only offer. For uh, that,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a phone call. one triple one two three one triple eight nine tiger nine joining us now on the show. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff has called into the program. Hey, Jeff. Hey,
7: JJ. Man, I know I call in there all the time when you're. When, you, when you're just out of line, J.J., you just don't <laughs> get it, you know? But this is the second time I've called in in, what, like three months? It was important for me to call in. J.J., it sounds like they're having a conversation, and they don't know that you're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if were you not their starting pitcher?
1: Every and, single game.
7: Not your, and And now they're just like, Man, we sure need some pitching, and, and it's kind of like, guys, I'm I'm right here, you know. But JJ, I feel so terrible for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, Jeff. Goes, my
7: heart, my heart goes out. But like you say, not a lot of guys are gonna want to pitch, you know. And not unless they put a thing. Uh, I know I wouldn't. I mean, not unless you put a thing. Um, what is it like in the batting cages? Put a net up, and yeah. Because yeah, I mean, they hit rockets back out. at
1: you.
7: Yeah, exactly. So you persevered, JJ. So you need you need the perseverance award, the oh. JJ perseverance award, <laughs> if nothing else. And they're already trying to replace you. I
4: oh, know. Um, Sheesh. Hey, Numbers don't lie, there, Jeff.
7: Yeah. I, hey, man, you're not lying. <laughs> and I just play baseball play baseball all the time. Guys want to go play softball. Okay, we're going to play softball. Play against, you know, a a team. You know, we set up a league, a church league, something like that. Sometimes you can... i have struck out in church league softball. Oh, we had some guys strike out. Yeah, I mean, but this guy doesn't go to any church or anything, but he's a professional softball pitcher. And like you say... You put a spin on it or do whatever, that ball looks like a pumpkin, and it sinks like a rock. <laughs> I mean, and you you cannot hit it. I'm telling you, it is so crazy. Yeah, there's they're all ringers. So you all are just, like you say, you're out there trying to have a little fun, get a little exercise, but it can be demeaning, I'm telling you, it's 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 demoralizing.
1: Excuse me. Well, well, Jeff, I certainly appreciate the backup, and appreciate you giving the phone call today. Thank you for all your support, man.
7: <laughs> all right, I'll be rooting for you. And I, hey, um, I'll, I'll become a. Uh, what is it? I got to get on uh, your fan club there, right? You yeah, know, Thunder so Chicken supporters. We need them. You need to get over thirty, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll put in as many as I can. I know you've got a couple in there, so. We'll get, try to get you even more
1: than that. Perfect. Okay? All right, man. Thank you, Jeff. All right. We'll talk to y'all later. All right. Bye. That's our good friend Jeff from Columbus joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. All right. Coming up in just a moment, Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post will be a guest on our show. That conversation coming up next right here on Sports Call. <laughs>
0: Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Corey Grant, former
4: Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app here in Auburn. My name is JJ Jackson with Tom Peavy, Austin Scott and Ryan LaVoy inside our studios. We hope that everyone is enjoying this Wednesday, June 1st, 2022 as we are fired up to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the program. Been about a month or so since we got the opportunity to catch up with Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post. Kind enough to join us here on the program Jerry we hope everything's going well for you and yours how are you on this Wednesday I'm
8: fantastic thanks for having me
1: absolutely we appreciate you taking some time to chat with us Uh, your latest for the Washington Post the Warriors knew who they were before with and after Kevin Durant and here we are one day shy of the 2022 NBA finals getting started between Golden State and Boston Uh, what excites you about this matchup Jerry
8: uh, the contrast in styles, for one, uh, in Boston, which is uh, one of the few teams that often plays with uh, two big guys on on the court, um, usually Al Horford and, and Robert Williams, versus the Warriors, who play an array of lineups, and, and sometimes they, they like to finish games with four guards and a forward uh, on the floor. And so, how each team has to adjust to the way the other plays, I think, is pretty fascinating. I'm fascinated by the fact that these are pretty significantly the two best defensive teams in the NBA in terms of defensive efficiency. Warriors play a little faster than the Celtics do, but uh, I think we think of the Warriors as more of an offensive team because they shoot a lot of threes and they got the Splash Brothers and they they have just this wonderful um, Princeton read and react style of offense, but they are grounded mostly in defense, and so I think there could be the game, the games could be a little lower scoring than what we expect, or they could be really fast paced and then the 100s, but um, really be games that are more defensive than maybe the score indicates. Uh, so I think that's fantastic. And then ultimately the, the star matchup, we always are looking at stars and, and, and Jason Tatum versus Steph Curry. Uh, but then also let's put Jalen Brown um, and put the Jays out there versus that warrior's core of Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green that's already won three championships. Uh, I mean, I just i, I love uh, all of the possibility. And then also what this could mean in terms of who owns the next, say, three years in the NBA. I think some of that could be decided in the series as well.
3: And, and Jerry, I know that probably in the league we talk legacies too often with guys, but but this – Postseason run kind of feels like a, a potential moment in the legacy of, of Steph Curry, and we've certainly seen a, a, a lot of talk about him. Do, do you feel like this is an important series uh, for Steph's legacy in, in any way, or, or is there still time for more more damage to be done uh, as far as them winning more in the future? Just just does this seem, does this feel like a legacy moment for him?
8: It's absolutely a legacy moment for him. I mean, he's 34 years old Uh, so you you can't guarantee that you're going to be back and he's he's 34 Uh, uh, Draymond and Clay are are both 32 they've got just this great young core that is emerging with uh, Andrew Wiggins at 27 being on the top yet but we're talking Jordan Poole Kaminga Moses Moody um, who should be very familiar in the SEC country Uh, those guys, like, are the future of the team, and they've done a great job kind of laying the bridge between um, their their, their past and their present and their future. Uh, But absolutely, I mean, a a fourth championship would put Steph Curry um, in in rarefied air. Uh, If he were able to win a fourth championship and win his first finals MVP, uh, I think that's sort of another notch in his belt when you try to consider uh, where he ranks among Um, the all-time greats. I mean, that puts him absolutely on the top shelf, I think, with the best 10 or 12 players of all time. Um, So, And then then just uh, being able to win a second championship without Kevin Durant and and the Warriors in general saying um, this is their third finals appearance without Durant. They went to three straight with Durant. They won two out of three with Durant. This is an opportunity to win two out of three. Um, without Durant so um, when you look at them and and when you look at uh, all that they've done and really this is the third wave for the Warriors that they're they're one of the more interesting all-time great teams if they're able to get this done um, and and have this kind of continuity um, in a time where everything is fleeting in the NBA because stars want to go elsewhere And they kind of look at their careers, not in terms of what I can do with one franchise, but in terms of, like, multiple chapters in their career. And they want to be in multiple places uh, to be able to have a core that stayed together that long. And for Steph to be a defining player, uh, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, to think that he's sitting here and he could win four championships in an era that is considered the LeBron James era of the NBA. And it really kind of came out of nowhere because of uh, his ankle injuries and because he's 6'3", he's not 6'8". He doesn't, like, jump out of the gym. He's not physically uh, imposing in the way that the other dominant stars of this era are.
3: And, and Jerry, when when you're looking at this matchup as a whole, uh, you talk about the kind of regeneration of the Warriors, that they've had kind of three different waves here. But the one thing that's been constant throughout time is that Boston's the only team in the league – with a winning record in the regular season uh, against these Warriors. Why do you think that is, and, and can they kind of translate that into this series?
8: Uh, it really means nothing uh, in the big picture of things just because of the way the NBA regular season is. Uh, I don't think it, will, it was never put on the schedule as like a marquee game. It will be a marquee game moving forward. Um, and so I think, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, the Celtics have been talented enough to be – nine and seven uh, against the Warriors over the past eight years. Uh, some of that was whooping was up on them the, the previous two years when, when they weren't very good, but they've had enough success for you to say, okay, they have a certain level of talent that plays well, uh, even when the Warriors are at their most powerful. And um, they've got the star power. I mean, if you want to just, like, go up and down the rosters Um, and and you want to look at terms of of just, like, balance. Uh, I mean, Boston is at least comparable, if not a little bit better, than the Warriors in terms of just raw talent level at this point, especially since their two stars are 25 and under. Um, So uh, Boston is very much. I mean, when you look at it, this is a Boston team that they, they had to go, what, four times, three times with with, with Tatum, uh, four times if you want to include Jalen Brown's run with Isaiah Thomas and company just to get to the finals. So they've been kind of knocking on the door in the final four, if you will, um, trying to break through. So uh, they have no finals experience, but for a team that has no finals experience, it's not like they're a team that just popped up yesterday. They've been through some wars, and I think it's going to be a really interesting series. I mean, I, I I think a lot of people just, if you looked at, like, the Eastern Conference Finals going seven games and the Western Conference Finals going five, I think you look at it as the Warriors are this overwhelming favorite. I don't look at it that way. I mean, I think it's as close to a toss-up as it gets. I think the Warriors are going to win the series, but I think there's a lot of pathways that you could look at it, if they're healthy, and say that Boston... Um, They've got some significant advantages, and uh, if they can play to that, there's a chance
4: they can win it. Jerry, we've seen uh, the Celtics have seven road wins before the finals, tied for the most road yeah. wins in playoff history before getting to the finals. Uh, obviously, they have to win one uh, in Golden State to, to win the finals uh, championship. Do you see that uh, continue to be a trend and a, a success for them in these finals, or, does, or do things kind of stop here if, with their magical road wins?
8: that's one of the most fascinating things right like Boston has been terrific on the road Golden State has that long stretch of 25-26 straight series um that they've at least won one road game so I don't think either of these teams are going to be rattled uh Golden State has not lost a home playoff game yet um and it's the first time we've been able to see their, their three year old arena chase center and how it plays in the postseason. um It's going to be a lot more difficult for Boston to get one, especially one of these first two, but it's an absolute must. And I think the hardest game for Boston coming off that series, even though they got a a break, um, is going to be getting game one because I think that the Warriors are going to come out with with an energy level that might be tough to match. Um, But I really think game two becomes a real significant moment in that series. Boston has not lost consecutive playoff games all year, uh, all postseason, and um, if the Warriors could get them in an 0-2 hole, uh, that's something that Boston hasn't faced. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, I'm doing all this analysis, and Boston might come out and, like, lead by 20 in Game 1, and it's kind of a moot point they get the Warriors in a hole, but uh, the bottom line is um I would not be surprised if this is another series similar to Boston and Miami, in which the road team has a lot of success, and it's going to be a little bit impossible to predict what's going to happen just based on which team is playing at home.
3: And talking some injuries with you here and yeah we've talked about or obviously Boston's big injury been Robert Williams here for the last series or two and having moments where he's been incredibly effective, but then not being on the court some. Marcus Smart's been on and off the court and then for Golden State you got Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton II and Andre Iguodala who have all been banged up at times and are banged up currently. What's the status of some of these players and uh, who do you think is the most important player from the Golden State point of view of being able to get back for this series?
8: Uh, for Golden State, it's Otto Porter Jr. I mean, when you look at the, the Celtics and their their size and some of the lineups that they put out there, the Warriors need Otto, you know, 6'8", 6'9". You can float him. He mostly plays the four now for them. Sometimes in small ball lineups, you can put him on the on the floor as a as a shooting um, five. Uh, He's a a great, uh, I think, where the Warriors really, like, kick everybody's butt is um, that that they get, like, great ball movement and great playmaking um, from areas that other teams just don't get it. And and with Otto, it's not just his ability to make three-point shots. It's his ability, when you pass him the ball, to be able to make the right decision and to be able to set other guys up. I mean, he was just made for their offense, and that was a great pickup. So they, they, they're they not going to win that series if Otto Porter doesn't play the majority of the game. They've shown, yeah, as smart as he is, they've shown uh, that they can survive without Andre Iguodala. He's barely played this postseason because of injuries. Um, I think we will see Gary Payton II at some point, uh, and uh, his defensive energy may mean a lot. Especially if you're going to get into some mud mud wrestling matches uh, with with the Celtics, they can really muck up a game because of how they play on the defensive end. For Boston, Boston uh, Marcus Smart is just going to tough it out, and, and um, one they cannot play a game without Marcus Smart in this series. They need him to be able to play in every game, and we'll see if he's healthy enough to do that. Robert Williams is a real difference maker because he is. The best rim protector in the series. And if the Celtics have him and if they have him in there, being able to like snuff out mistakes they make uh, in the paint as the Warriors move and cut and so on and so forth, um, that can take away some of the easy stuff that the Warriors get uh, just because defenses panic against them. Steph runs one way and everybody kind of like gravitates towards him and then all of a sudden uh, they're getting opportunities in the paint that are just absolutely ridiculous. You need an eraser. And they really haven't played a team uh, so far in the postseason that has an eraser uh, with the kind of defensive awareness that Robert Williams has. But as you guys know, uh, having watched it, man, it was hard to just see Robert Williams get up off the bench (laughs) um, to cheer on his teammates when he wasn't in the game. Uh, against Miami, and you just wonder how much gas does he have in the tank. You just, I mean, that, that knee, he is laboring like, when, when you see him go from the paint up to set a screen, it's like, is he going to get there? Do we need to give him some kind of assistance? Uh, he's in a really bad way. Uh, it's amazing that he's been able to play as much as he can play, and now you're asking him to play even more, Against a team that's really going to push the ball against Boston, um, and uh, I just don't know—I just don't know if that knee is going to hold up. And it's unfortunate because he—he is a terrific defensive player.
1: Jerry Brewer is joining us here on the program. He's with the Washington Post. We're talking about the NBA Finals. That will get started tomorrow between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Jerry, within the last decade alone, you could say David Blatt, Ty Lue, Steve Kerr, Nick Nurse, and now Ime Udoka. all of those coaches make the NBA Finals in their first season. David Blatt, the only one to not win the title in his first year. We can go back to 1982 and a name like Pat Riley, guys who have been able to win a championship in their first season as a head coach. But within this last decade, why do you think we've seen such a big rise in this? And and what does it say about Udoka specifically that he was able to take Boston to the title in year one?
8: Yeah, um, Ime Udoka reminds me a lot of Nick Nurse and of Ty in that he he has a way of, of really being able to relate to the players. And he's incredibly creative. He'll try a lot of different things. Um, that can confuse other teams. I think what you're seeing with these new coaches and the success that they're having is just that uh, basketball is in a place where you need new ideas. And you also need a level of communicator to be able to relate to these guys. You know, you see the, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be really standard for max level players in the NBA to make $50 million a year and um, it's just it's a little bit different on how to motivate them. I think sometimes we get a little old school in the way we think about it and we think guys just want to do what, what they want to do. They make too much money, you can't get through to them. But when you look around, they like to be coached and you see some of the stuff that they do in the off season with personal trainers and private basketball coaches and so on and so forth. They're putting in the work, but they need a guy who can reach them, who can challenge them, uh, who doesn't just come at them with old philosophies and say, this is the way we do it because this is the way I've always done it. They need someone to get down on their level. This generation absolutely needs you to be able to answer the question why. You can't have an ego about why. Um, and you have to be you have to be personable, but also fair in the way that you're dealing with the team. So, um, one thing that's fascinating about uh, Eme is he coaches the hell out of everybody on that team, from Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, on down to the 15th man on the roster. He'll call anybody out. Uh, he doesn't do it every day. He doesn't wear on them like that. He picks and chooses his moments, but he's going to hold you accountable. Uh, at all times he, he's got a um, <laughs> there was some boxer he showed this video of this boxer um who who like says like you know i'm i'm a like like i'm a can i'm a can do guy or something because everybody can get it you know <laughs> um and that's kind of his mentality like everybody um is going to hear my mouth and I'm going to be fair, and I'm also going to be such a great communicator that you're going to want to be coached my way. And uh, um, and when I'm wrong, I will I will like get on myself, and I'll be honest with you about how I screwed something up. And I think players just have been able to relate to to those coaching styles, and all those guys are really different. Nick Nurse is extremely different from Ty Lue kylew extremely different from he may extremely different from steve kerr but the one through line there is they've just been incredibly successful and now you're seeing in the nba uh this little moment where i think the league is really open to diverse candidates and we're not just talking about racial diversity we're talking about um diversity in terms of uh um, more, more coaches who have more of a European influence, um, more coaches who, uh, who, who are more kind of analytically driven, um, more coaches who are, have more of a player development back, background instead of just sort of like team development background. Uh, it's, it's a really fascinating time uh, when you get in the league and you see who's successful. And um, and why they're successful. And I think that's fun because it's going to open it up to all kinds of different candidates. And it's not just going to be all about just, oh, we want somebody who runs like the same tried and true system.
1: We can't wait. I think it's going to be an epic series. No idea what's going to happen as we're sort of talking about with both of these teams. So many different storylines. Let's end with this, Jerry. Do you think we're more likely to see a 30-point victory at any point in this series or a game reaching overtime?
8: (laughs) We're more likely to see a 30-point victory. That's just the (laughs) NBA today. That's the way the postseason is being. Yeah, one of these days, somebody's going to win by 35, and then we're going to have three days off until the next game, and it's going to be hard to keep momentum.
1: I love it. Jerry, we appreciate the time as always. Look forward to talking to you again soon, okay? All right, anytime. All right, that's Jerry Brewer joining us there on the program. Good to talk about the NBA Finals that are scheduled to get set underway, and uh, it's a time of year where there are tons of storylines going into a series like this.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the finals the biggest series, and these two teams are fascinating because, as mentioned, I, you know whether you put a lot of stock into it or not, Boston has dealt well with Golden State in the regular season, better than everybody else. And just in general, I mean, the Celtics are one of the two most historic franchises in the league. When they do well, the league's in a better place, just like the Lakers, but – People kind of don't realize that with this run, the Warriors have gone the last six years. You know, they've won a couple championships way back in the day with Will and, and back in the 60s when they were San Francisco Warriors. The Warriors are a top five franchise in the annals of NBA history as well. They're not Lakers Celtics level, but again, they're probably top five. So this is actually uh, a, a pretty historic matchup from the standpoint of, of just the existence of these organizations over a long period of time.
1: And the finals get started tomorrow. We've got one more hour left of sports call to go. Our thanks again to Jerry Brewer for joining us alongside Ryan the Boy, Austin Scott, and Tom Peavy. My name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson with Tom Peavy, Austin Scott, and Ryan LaVoy. We've got to get to birthdays and sports in a moment. More likely to happen still to come as well. We've got a nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw and more in this final hour of the show. Let's take your phone calls. 334-887-3401 and joining us now on the program today is
0: Matt from Tallassee.
1: Matt has called into the program Program. Hello, Matt. What's up, JJ? Hey, buddy. Hi, Hello. Hey,
6: Brent. Hey, Austin.
4: Hey, Matt. How are you?
6: Uh, what's up, guys? Hey, I got a, I got a question for uh, like uh, Tom. You you can't answer this question right now. Okay. For JJ, Brent, and Austin.
1: Okay, Brent's not with us. It's so Austin and I will handle this.
6: Okay. So what? So what? Uh, what do you guys think about? Larry Brown joining the Kentucky staff, and then Caldwell withdrawing his name from the NBA, and Flanagan drawing his name for the NBA, and then Jared Harper's brother joining the basketball team.
1: It's a lot of stories for us to talk about yeah, there let's, go one by uh, let, one. let's talk about Dylan Cardwell glad I don't coming have back to for anything. another season <laughs> um, and uh, I think it's a big move for Cardwell to come back a big center on the interior for the Tigers and then uh, Austin quickly here we saw Jared Harper's brother Jalen play one season at Florida Gulf Coast one season of junior college basketball and now he's going to be on the Auburn team I think that's an amazing story
4: yeah I think it's great especially with the the connections of Bruce Pearl and Bruce Pearl looking out for his guys, and uh, yeah, I don't think it's out of the question that J- Jalen Harper, I believe, is his yes, name, uh, could could help and be a big one of those uh, walk on first walk on minutes off the bench like Bruce Pearl's been known to play in recent years. So I think yeah, I think it's fantastic. Hey, so what do
6: you guys think about Larry Brown on the, uh, the Kentucky basketball staff?
4: Yeah, not quite Larry Brown, but it is K.T. Turner uh, who has worked with Larry Brown in the past. And he, Larry Brown and John Calperi are both friends. But, yeah, it seems like a good pickup for John Calperi they, to fill out his assistant spot. Here's a,
6: question, here's a question for Tom. Tom, this question for you. All right. Okay. Who do you think is better if Harper played his brother? Who do you think would be better?
2: I, I mean, I'd have to go with Jared. I, I haven't seen the younger brother, but uh, Jared, I mean – I'd imagine the way he's playing in pro ball right now, I'd have to think Jared would be better.
6: So, Austin and JJ, what do you guys think?
1: Same I, thing? Yeah, I, I agree. As an older brother myself, I'm always going yeah, to side the, with the right. older brother. That's right.
6: Hey, so, uh, so, uh, Austin, you haven't heard of my chair before, have you? He oh, has, multiple have. times. Hey, so, like, uh, we're. Um, so, um, JJ, you guys send me an email. Where you guys play softball at? Because, um, I don't know if I told you, I, I got some good news for you guys. Someone Sunday is coming to our house, just entering our house and maybe buying it. So when we come That's exciting. All- yeah. So when you come to Auburn. But, but what I'm saying is, J.J., if you can email me, we guys have softball games so I can probably play with you guys so I can show Austin how I can how Pitt and how it Tom.
1: Yeah, we'll have to find a way if uh, we could set that up to make it happen. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun.
6: And also, also, Austin, i asked J.J. if I can be on the show and... JJ, tell tell Austin who cannot be on the show if I'm on the
0: show.
1: Uh well, we don't have that rule. I mean, if anybody is welcome to be on the show. Do are you, are you, you want me to say Sean? No. Who do you I want me to say? Go down, Steve? No, Steve is always welcome, buddy. We don't we don't take anybody off the show.
6: Well, if I'm on the show, he he guys can talk to him, but I'm going to entertain any questions from him.
1: Okay, well, that's not very polite, but uh, we'll see.
6: We'll, i might I my might a Couple. You should.
1: You should. All right, hey. buddy. Let's do the cheer, and we got to get out of here. Okay, hey, 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 are you guys ready? Very ready. We're ready. We're
4: ready. Yep. Okay. Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, four, three two, three, two, one. One. War. War eagle. eagle. Hey.
6: Hey. B. Bama.
1: Bama. 48,
6: 45, 63, 13. Booyah. Bama. We're coming into your field, and we're going to knock you
1: out. All right, buddy. Good to hear from you. See you next hey, time.
6: I, hey, hey, call you guys Monday. JJ, send me where you guys face off all at.
1: Okay. All right. That's our buddy Matt from Tallahassee joining us on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one All right. Before we do anything else, we're a little delayed in getting to this today, but uh, let's celebrate some birthdays. Here we go.
0: It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports.
1: All right, Birthdays in Sports here today on June 1st, 2022. Happy birthday, Nick Young. Swaggy P, the former NBA player, is turning 37, guys.
3: Oh, yeah, Swaggy, um, the swagster. He he always had an innate ability to hit a couple threes and then do something incredibly dumb. You know, he's like on the all... Um, interest. I, I don't know. All dumb team. All he's got a great GIF. Yeah. Interest, interest, I I don't know what team to put him on, but right up there with Dion Waiters and Jr. Smith in terms of. Unbelievably dumb moments. Yeah, with a few he was on threes mixed in. A fool,
1: in. quite yeah. a bit, and uh, a 2018 NBA champion with the Golden State Warriors. Played college basketball at USC. Happy birthday to Nick Young. Santana Moss is celebrating his birthday today. Former wide receiver and return specialist for the New York Jets and Redskins. Sixteenth overall pick in the 0-1 NFL Draft. 2005 Pro Bowler. While at Miami, he was a Big East Offensive Player of the Year an All-American, and more. Santana Moss turning 43 I remember watching him playing for the Redskins growing up and uh, wore that number 89 jersey had many uh, Santana Moss and Steve Smith conversations both rocking the 89 at wide receiver he was a good player though and he's turning 43 years old today Larry Sinners is turning 54, the former NFL fullback selected in the fifth round in the 1990 NFL Draft by the Phoenix Cardinals, who are now the Arizona Cardinals, out of Stephen F. Austin State, a Super Bowl thirty-eight champion with the Patriots, 1996 first-team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, also played for the Redskins and Buffalo Bills. Larry Sinners turns 54. Happy birthday to Tony Bennett, who's turning 53, the current head basketball coach, for the University of Virginia, 2019 NCAA tournament champion, five-time ACC regular season champion, two-time ACC tournament champion, four-time ACC coach of the year, two-time Naismith College Basketball College Coach of the Year. He played college basketball at Washington State, and as a player, he holds the NCAA record for career three point field goal percentage at 49.7%. Pretty good shooter for Mr. Tony Bennett. Good stuff. He's turning 53 years old. Anthony Tolliver is turning 37, 13-year NBA career, 6.1 points per game, 37.3% three-point shooter. The Creighton Blue Jay, former Charlotte Bobcat. I remember going to Bobcats games and uh, Big Pat, our public address announcer, would get really excited over Anthony Tolliver three-pointers. Uh, which was a fun memory I mean, for me. When you go to Bobcats games, you got to pick something. you got to find something to get excited what? about. You're right.
3: When you said he averaged six points a game, it reminded me of something Charles Barkley talked about when he was talking about LeVar Ball. Uh-huh. And the fact that LeVar Ball averaged like three points a game or four points a game in his entire basketball career. And Charles was like, man, you, you make a couple of shots and hit a free throw and, and you go up like half a point on your average.
8: <laughs> yeah. for that.
3: Uh, and for Anthony Tolliver scoring six points, it's like – if the, if the guy hits two shots from 23 feet, he has got his average right there. The, uh, it can happen in 40 seconds.
1: I'll go for it. Big Pat would say, at t for three... And that's what he would say with Tolliver. Well, he was
3: proud of what he said
1: there. Yeah, Time yeah, Warner yeah, Cable was... Arena. That was when it was Time Warner Cable Arena. He was pushing for the sponsorship <laughs> at AT&T. Uh, and then finally, one more basketball birthday for you. Smush Parker, turning <laughs> 41 years old, a six-year NBA career. So not as long as Tolliver. He's a Fordham Ram. He played for the Pistons, Lakers, Suns, and Heat. Two hundred and seventy-four career games in the association, nine points per game nice. over a six-year NBA career, and three assists per contest.
3: Smush <laughs> Parker, le- late two thousands, man, mid to late two thousands. <laughs> he was he was on one of the Laker Kobe teams. That was I don't know if that was the team. Prob- in hindsight, it was probably the team that Kobe. Average like 34 a game four but they only won like 42 games probably that team. Smush Parker really played good.
1: three seasons for the Lakers from 05 to 07 yeah
3: that's that's right how that do you think he right. got that nickname
1: Smush yeah that's a good question I don't know
4: that'd be fantastic I
1: don't know how tonight. you come up with that nickname but that's cool Nick Young is 37 Anthony Tolliver is 37 Santana Moss is 43 Larry Sinner is 54 Tony Bennett 53 and Smush Parker is 41 years old that's is our birthdays in sports here today on june 1st 2022 let's take a commercial break our show continues right after this on tiger 95.9
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now, back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: It's a Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM. I'm JJ Jackson, the host of the show, alongside Ryan Lavoie, Austin Scott, and Tom Peavy on this fine Wednesday. If you're listening to us on the Sports Call podcast, thank you for supporting us. We would love for you to leave us a five-star rating and review, particularly on that Apple Podcast platform. Type out a review. We give five-star Friday shout-outs here on Fridays. You can listen to our interviews separately on the Sports Call podcast feed. So we chatted with Andy Burcham today. We also spoke with Jerry Brewer of The Washington Post. You'll be able to listen to both of those conversations alone in our podcast feed. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SportsCallAU. The month of June is here. SEC Media Days right around the corner. And it is our full plan once again to broadcast live from SEC Media Days. And for the second time ever, It'll be taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. So we're excited to make the trip back up there to the ATL. Oh, it's June
4: 1st. That means i got to go fill out my monthly predictions for June. Let me check my email and see if they're there.
2: No, they, have you posted oh, them yet? Yeah. Oh, JJ hasn't sent them. No. I'm sorry. Dropping the ball. That's what I'm working that on was, right now. There'll that be, was some
3: hate, man.
1: And I've already been – there's been hate on my pitching ability. Uh-huh. And, and
3: the team, ability. The team's pitching ability. I didn't single out. <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily say RJ did a great job I, as, as, as,
4: To take a no quote from a the drama job. in the last week as he leaves the studio. Well,
2: but the, 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 I th- should not have – Called out any individuals. Exactly the, the, the thing in the thing in slow pitch is, is just don't walk batters. That that's really all I you mean, gotta it, do. If if you give up home runs, then I mean that's just because you've got maulers up there that are yeah. hitting the ball. So I mean you're not trying to strike yeah. out anybody. You're just trying to not walk them. You want to put the ball to where they can put it in play. We just want you simple. to give up. People
1: like and that's I, at <laughs> no point. Have I denied any of this? Right. Can that be – like, yeah. I'm not denying it. And then also, I would like it to be known – we had a heart-to-heart. We had a practice last year where other people were going to attempt a pitch. And I think from that moment on, I really dialed in – and towards the latter half of the season, I was not walking as many batters yeah. because I understood how much pressure was being placed on me. And well, I'm the one here getting
4: mad at you, too. And, and did I was I eligible yeah, to, how many play games to play a game next last year? year. Yeah. Oh, last year, that's exactly. Right. I was on the IR the whole year. But
1: I'm, I'm not a trash talker. This is a new You're season. Not. It's a new season, and I'm turning over a new leaf. In my life, I have been known as a trash talker, okay. I'm but now I, on I, I, so I am it. not going to be that player this year. All right.
3: Them. See, I was I'm, willing to pitch, but we kind of needed me in the field. We needed Ryan in the center. So,
1: so do you want to pitch this year?
3: If that's whatever's best for the team. Okay. If I'm not going to make much of a difference <clears throat> pitching, then it's probably not a great idea. I but,
1: truly don't think you will. Okay. I truly don't think you will. I don't know that there's going to be someone else out there that makes that great of a difference.
4: Ryan was so good in the outfield. So too.
1: good in the outfield. So, and I know, I appreciate you being willing to pitch. I just don't know that it's going to make that big of a difference. All right. Okay. Would well. you like to pitch? Yeah. <laughs> See, when he says that, he does want to pitch. So, I will let you pitch. No, I'm fine not pitching.
3: I, I, I just want to do what's best for the team. And I'm saying, if you don't want to pitch, I can pitch.
1: I've never said I didn't want to pitch. Okay. Never then once. keep pitching, then. Okay.
3: I can say
2: this. I do not want to pitch.
1: Okay. I, I am, and Brooks has said he doesn't I, I, want to pitch. I, I'm,
2: I'm very content playing on the infield. I've never played one game yet. I know. So do so you I'm want to pitch? To, I'll play wherever. Okay. All I right. I just want to get out there with the
4: operational knee. And you have one of those. So that's what they say. I mean, you need to have two of those. Usually. We have but, two. <laughs> yeah. we have, they say I have one he technically, that wasn't. He technically had one operational
3: knee last year. We it, needed two. Yeah.
1: Yeah good stuff all right um let's do this more it's likely a, to happen more likely to happen
3: jj pitch or not pitch i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're good at the promos because it is time for more likely to happen so here we go do you have all these wild questions swirling
0: around in your head Well, we've got the answers to them. Sports Calls, more likely to happen.
1: All right, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at SportsCallAU. Follow us there. I would encourage you to go to Twitter, though, at SportsCallAU, because just a moment ago, we tweeted all of them out, some social engagement that we're looking for. We want you to have a vote in the matter. What is more likely to happen? We've got a couple of scenarios here in sports. Is it more likely that Auburn baseball makes the College World Series, or that the Tigers go winless in the regional, that they go 0-2. What is more likely to happen of those two scenarios? We do have breaking news. Auburn announces that Trace Bright will be their starting pitcher for their game against Southeastern Louisiana. The Tigers will save Joseph Gonzalez for Saturday. More likely to happen, Auburn makes the College World Series, or they go winless in the regional.
2: You're asking me? Yes. Uh, anybody? Chime uh, in here. I, I, I oh, man, I, I hate to think about this, but I think it's more likely that they go winless in the regional. I think that's the correct answer, Tom. Uh, because I, I think they would be slated. You have to win the regional, then you have to go to the super regional. My understanding is that would be out west against uh, against Oregon State, Oregon State, or even Stanford. I thought was the other potential. Well, Oregon State's the number three seed. That's uh, you can't but, but, change but, that. Yeah. Even if they, but even if Oregon
3: is not in it, if they lose and we host the, the Super Regional, yes, because Auburn would be the higher remains okay. at that point. All right, because the only national. I thought seed. I saw something that Auburn
2: would have to be out west regardless, but so the, it's all bracketed. I got you. I haven't looked at all the bracket, but it, but anyway, but Oregon State would be the potential. If it's they just, win
1: and Auburn wins, they play Oregon State there.
2: It's tough to – with everything that you got to do, it's tough to make the World Series. Uh, Auburn has done it. Auburn has a chance to do it. But the more – I would – yeah, the, the going winless in the regional would be the more likely.
4: Yeah, I think I agree. Just because the competition in the next round would be tough, and uh, that's a lot of hurdles. Jumped. I don't think Auburn will go winless in the regional.
2: No, I I think they beat. They at least win
4: the first game. Win Friday. Yeah, Uh, they really should. Uh, But I think of the two, those are two drastic scenarios, and I think the more likely one would be winless in the regional. Or
3: yeah, Uh, yeah, and I I would agree with that as well. I think we know about Southeastern Louisiana's ability to beat an SEC team because they've done it twice Mm -hmm. with two tournament teams. Ole Miss, obviously, just barely made a tournament, but Arkansas. Arkansas was a really good team that they were able to beat. Talked about Auburn only winning one out of three. I'll just go ahead and make an argument for the other side of it, though, since we are agreeing. You know, Auburn when they made the College World Series a few years ago, they did it all on the road. They didn't even host that's a true. regional. Um, they were able to beat North Carolina and the uh, supers. They uh, got the clutch home run at Georgia Tech from Steve Williams that's kind of making the rounds today. It might be might be the uh, anniversary of it that he hit the two strike two out three run homer to win. One of the worst play by play calls ever. I don't. I did not. Uh, I did not hear At that. At least the TV, I think. Is. Yeah, I don't remember. I was listening to the radio. That. I don't uh, even know who. Was I made doing noises it. when the ball was in the air, so I didn't even hear what the that people 19, said. Nineteen. nineteen.
1: So. It was Paul Allen and and Brett Bowen had the yeah. radio call. thought they yeah. did a great job. No, it was not the radio. I didn't see the TV though. Not the
3: radio. I was radio watching on TV and I yelled over it, so I don't remember the call, but. Um, but so the, the argument just be Auburn's not before. You never know if Oregon State makes out. Now, being the number three national seed, they have a very high probability of advancing out. Uh, but even still, Auburn made their last college world series because they were really good on the road. But, again, I'm, I'm not arguing for that. I agree with you guys. I'm just saying I'm just making an argument for yeah. if you want to believe Auburn can make the college world series
1: so we're all in agreement on the first scenario but that's more Pretty likely much. to happen uh, and you can go vote on twitter at sports Call au all right more likely to happen in the nba finals what's more likely to happen here the road team has a winning record in the series or the home team has a winning record in the se- series anytime you talk about series and sports in the postseason the one phrase that comes to mind is is home court advantage. Will that be the case? Golden State, Boston, that's the series taking place and the Warriors have home court advantage. What do you think, Austin?
4: Uh, kind of like we talked with Jerry, we kind of posed the question of home court and the Celtics uh, doing well on the road in the playoffs so far. Uh, I kind of think home court, home team will have the winning record. Uh, I just think, like he mentioned, Golden State's done so well at home. Uh, Boston has had success on the road uh, but I think more often than not that home team usually has success I think on the show before we've looked up to see if the road team won every game and it was like once before in the finals I'm probably remembering a very random instance that happened when I was on sports Yeah, home, but you guys are on the show
3: or, or was that, that um, the e- the home team had won every game was it the home team I don't maybe remember maybe so I, I kind of remember. remember what you're talking about but I don't remember
4: yeah, you were hosting that. that day yeah, I don't know. I'm going to stay the home team. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of justification for it if I'm being honest.
3: I just I think it was if the home team did because I'm trying to remember what series it was. Who did Miami play? Was it Philadelphia that they played before Boston the this year, this year? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I did that game did that series not go 7? For which Phone one? A friend, anybody?
1: The Miami and, and
3: this year. Philadelphia
4: series. I
1: didn't think it went. No, seven. it went
4: Miami one and six, four two.
3: There was. I, I I think the series though. Whatever it was, it was not road team winning every game. Okay. I don't think because uh, Philly didn't win the first two in Miami, so yeah, I would have been. Talk- yeah, you're right. I I don't I don't know. Any anyway. Anyway. Uh, um. This postseason or this, these two teams have been really good at particularly winning on the road because if you look at it, Boston is 7-2 and two on the road. And, of course, Golden State has the NBA all-time streak going of winning a road game in 25 straight playoff series. And so – the reason this is tough is because Golden State has this great home court that they're nine to zero on this postseason and historically have been really good at home in the playoffs. But Boston seven and two. In fact, Boston's been better on the road than they've been at home. And Golden State again, over the last twenty five series, has won a road game at least once. So they're almost a lock to win a road game. So I'm going to go extra quirky. I'm going to say road team wins more. Um, I, I kind of, you know, I here's the thing it doesn't really line up with my series prediction because I'm kind of thinking they're both going to split the first four so one and one one and one so you're really two and two and then I think the home team wins game five and six so I like it doesn't line up with this particular (laughs) prediction so I guess I'm hedging my bets but it just feels like a series where no home team is going to have a blisteringly high advantage
1: more likely to happen here. We continue moving forward with some of the topics that we've got. The NBA Finals start tomorrow between the Boston Celtics. Let's keep the NBA conversation going. We asked this one of Jerry Brewer. Is it more likely we see an overtime game in the Finals or that there's a 30-point blowout? See, that one's tough. Uh, we asked a- tough questions. Ryan yeah. came up with these. He did a great job. I'm gonna I'm I, gonna be the contrary. Jerry Brewer said thirty point blowout was more right. likely to happen. We have seen a lot of those. It's a championship series. I want to see maybe I just want to speak this into existence. But I hope it's more likely that we see a overtime game as opposed to a blowout.
2: Yeah, I, you know the thing is, I, I don't think the Boston Celtics will have a thirty point blowout over Golden State, but I could see Golden State having a thirty point blowout. Yeah, later. they're
1: making their shots.
2: Yeah, if they're making their shots and they can light the scoreboard up, so I could see them doing it. But I, I feel like there's a better chance of an overtime game in there. I mean, a thirty-point blowout's that. I mean, that's a that's huge. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. I think the Warriors have that in them to do that. But I, I think an overtime game is a lot more likely.
4: Austin? I'm with Tom because of what he mentioned about it being 30 specifically. I think you could see some 20-25, but 30 is a big number, yeah. uh, and I just don't, I'm just i not <laughs> sure it will get there. Uh, so while I don't really think there will be an overtime game, I think that's more likely to happen than a 30 bucket
3: dropped on Boston. or Golden
1: Aaron Judge, State. what do you think?
3: Huh? <laughs> what in the world? I have no idea where that came from. I was looking back at it, and it was not seven, but the home team in the Miami Philadelphia series won the, first, won the first five. Five, okay. So that's where I was kind of going with that, I think, at the time. But, so that day we were looking at it. Uh, we were looking at home. to see if it would continue on into into Game 7. But um, so Golden State in the Memphis series, they had a game where they won by 30 and they had a game where they lost by 39. Um, and this playoffs has been kind of known for that in the Eastern Conference Finals with what happened with, with the Boston series in Miami. I don't think any of them were 30. But there was a couple that were dangerously close. Boston inexplicably won by 25 on Miami's home court in Game 2. The Celtics won by 20 in in Game 4 in Boston. And and there was just some, in general, uncompetitive moments about that. Also, Boston won Game 7 against Milwaukee by 28. So, I think Austin's right in that 25 would feel safer. I don't know what it is. It's just like... Thirty is a whole quarter's worth of points, but in today's NBA, twenty-five is not necessarily. Um, I think there's going to be overtime because I I don't think there will be any blowouts, in the, and the and maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just because in general I'm just a nervous person about the series, but. I don't believe that there's going to be any crazy blows. Now, someone might win by 13 and people need to understand 13 does not make it a blowout. If it's a six or seven point game with four or five minutes left, that is not a blowout. I don't care if it finishes 13 or 14 or not. Um, but I think these games will be really competitive and I kind of, that's, the, that's something we haven't seen much this postseason is an overtime. And um, I, I think we're going to get one. I think we're going to get overtime.
1: Let's move on. It's our More Likely to Happen here on Sports Call. Again, you can vote on Twitter at SportsCallAU. We're getting votes in right now on the matter. We just discussed the one here about what's more likely to happen, an NBA Finals game going to overtime or seeing a 30-point blowout. Right now, everyone on Twitter has voted uh, that a game goes overtime is more likely to happen. 100% of the votes in so far there. All right. The U.S. Open will get started on Thursday, June 16th in Brookline, Massachusetts, at the country club there. Is it more likely that Tiger Woods has a top 25 U.S. Open or that he gets cut and doesn't make the Saturday and Sunday portions of the tournament? What's more likely to happen?
2: Cut i i mean just with the way his leg was giving him so much troubles uh that's not just gonna miraculously heal and so i i think he i appreciate him pushing himself to get out there and do it i think he may be going a little bit too fast with it um he just he looked like he was in massive amounts of pain um obviously withdrew from the last round because it was just affecting his play yeah um so, yeah, I think it's a lot more likely, and I think very likely that he gets cut.
1: Ryan, Tiger Woods, more likely that he has a top 25 U.S. Open finish or that he's cut from the event?
3: Um, I was trying to look something up here real quick to Austin,
1: would you like it. to go?
4: Yeah, I'm going to echo Tom. Just watching him last week, uh, he didn't look right at all, and I, I think it's admirable him trying to play out there and knowing that people want to see him do well and yeah. everything like that, but he just doesn't look right. Um, and so, yeah.
1: The fan in me wants to see the top 45
2: sure, finish. I mean, the man is literally using his clubs as a cane yeah. to walk down the fairway. Uh, and that's not good. Uh, I mean, man. Yeah. I, I want him to be successful. I want him back to prime Tiger, which we'll never see prime Tiger because he is now up in age and with all the injuries. But, man, I, it, it's it, it pains me to see him in pain
3: walking down the fairway like that. I'm gonna go finish in the top 25. Boo. Um, <laughs> he has made both cuts. That's what of I won championships. Um, yeah. And I realized that it kind of fell apart over the weekend. Um, but the, when he is, when the injury is not over the top disturbing him, he's played in the top 25. Um, he was competing in the masters through two days. And then had a tough weekend because the legs started to get to him. And he made the cut at the PGA. The second round, I believe he shot even or one under in the second round to make sure he made the cut. Um, So when he's able to keep the health in check, obviously it's not only 100% in 2022. It's not. But when when it's not over-bothering him, he's played okay. It's the weekends once the fatigue starts to set in that's disturbing him. And my reasoning for him maybe being more likely to finish the top 25 is that we've advanced a few more weeks in time. And people that have had significant injuries would tell you this, I think, as well. When you're dealing with with all that stuff, what kind of weather is better? Warm, hot, or cold? And it's always warm and hot because – the muscles start to move a little easier. You flex a little better. When you're cold, you just get very stiff. And I wouldn't expect in the middle of June, any place in the U.S., to be – I know it's in New York, you said? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So it's still up there. I get it. But I still don't think in Massachusetts it's going to be a 50-degree day in the middle of June. And so if you have that warmer weather, I think he stays looser throughout the tournament. And, again, I mean – I, I don't think it's incredible. I'm not like saying there's a great certainty that he's going to finish the top 25, but he's been able to make the cut so far at these two tournaments. So I think the play is there. It, it's just a question: Can he be durable enough to not fall off a cliff on the weekend?
2: I, I, the thing is, I don't remember what he shot at the Masters. I know in that PGA Championship, I mean he was he was on the cut line. I mean it, it was looking very grim that he was going to make the cut, and he made a couple birdies there late that got him. Under that cut line, but I mean, there until I think he was on about hole fifteen, maybe, and was not going to make the cut, and and had a couple of birdies to, to get him under that, um, or it was like thirteen or fourteen, or somewhere around in there. He was on the back nine, and I think he was only at four under, and that was the cut. So he was not going to make it at that point, and then had a couple of birdies that that got him. Unless I'm unless I have become senile. Uh, <laughs> I
1: don't recall. I'll so, be- uh,
3: I think he – pulled pull it back up. He finished the day one under. And, again, that was a, another day. I think the cut was like four over. In his first round, he shot four over. So, he was three over through two, and the cut was four. Right. He had one birdie on 16. Um, to get it by one, but he was by one for the last seven holes. Right. So, I mean, he played par golf then. But the point remaining, and again, I can go back to the Masters, he was in the top 10 or 15 of the Masters through two rounds uh, or top 20. And then again, the weekend bled away. So, again, when he's able to have a decent health day, he can still put up a top 20 performance, absolutely. But it's the question with him would be, can he do it for four days? That, that, I, I've been pleased with his golf overall in the first two days. Because, uh, again, people that miss the cut at PGA, there's a lot of people, again, at the PGA that, that missed the cut. So just making the cut in, in itself – Uh, was better than some of the top golfers in the world. I believe Scheffler, who just won the Masters, I don't think he made the cut at the PGA Championship. He didn't. So, again, he can do it. It is just whether the body can hold up for four days.
1: We're looking at it on Twitter right now. The votes online split 50% what tiger woods right there all right next one what's more likely to happen to the Braves the rest of the season is it more likely that Atlanta finishes under 500 on the year or that they win the NL East. The Braves have won four straight National League Eastern Division titles, and they just won a moment ago. They won six to nothing over the Arizona Diamondbacks, so they salvage a game. But here in 2022, the Braves have still yet to win three consecutive games, and they have yet to lose three consecutive games if they lost today that would have changed but they stopped a two game winning streak they're now three games under 500 is it more likely that after 162 games the Braves have won the NL East or that they're under 500
2: because we're asking this question right now yes with a 24 and 27 record it's more likely of losing record because the Mets uh, the Mets seem like they've got it going on 10 and a half up yeah So that's going to be – but, I mean, there's a lot of baseball left. Now, if we start asking this question around the All-Star break right after the All-Star break or right after the trade deadline, and you see if the Braves get some pieces that may – kind of like last year where they added some pieces that just were, like, phenomenal towards that run that they went on. But since we're asking it right now on June the 1st, I would say it's more likely they have a losing record. But things could change drastically. Sadly, I agree. Uh, I think
4: that there's just – the offense is struggling a lot with runners in scoring position, and trends don't look good, and they're not healthy. Um, but yeah, like Tom said, as of June 1st, where we sit right now, I mean, their project as of June 1st, the trend is they're gonna have a losing record. So, I think that's most likely right now, uh, and they just they need the Mets to figure out how to lose again, because yeah. uh, they they're on un- they're unstoppable right now.
3: Well, it's not made that much fun because I I also agree. I think um, they're more likely to head to under five hundred. This one though, I think is a little, a uh, little dimmer because unlike some of the others, like we think Auburn will win a game in the regional that we don't necessarily think they'll win the regional, but we don't think they'll go over. And that one versus will they make the College World Series or not even win a game? This one though, like I lean towards the Braves definitely could finish under five hundred. Yeah. Like. Uh, it's not a certainty. They've still got some things that they can improve upon. But, um, again, it's another situation where you're a little disjointed. You're, you can't put any streaks together. And this time you don't have Freddie Freeman. who was a great locker room guy and obviously MVP. Uh, you, you're worried about Acuna's health still because he's in and out in the lineup every couple of days. And – There's no guarantee Rosario comes back and just lights the world on fire. And when you just say, you know, it's it's such a trivial thing sometimes because the exact same players that helped the Braves win the World Series last year Decisions had to be made about them. Okay. When the Braves brought in Jock Peterson, it wasn't like this is just going to make them the best team in the history of baseball. When they brought in Jorge Soler, he was hitting under 200 for the Royals. When they brought in Eddie Rosario, he was on the injured list. Right. And all those guys helped them tremendously. Adam Duvall as well helped them win a World Series. They had to make similar decisions on whether to keep those players or let those players go. And so far, they have been wrong on every single decision that they made. Yeah. Adam Nuvall is only hitting 190 with like two or three Uh-oh. home runs. Eddie Rosario had two hits and 30-something at-bats and then could, could <laughs> and not see. Literally he, could yeah. not see. Jot Peterson while in San Francisco has 12 home runs and is hitting 270. And Jorge Soler not lighting the world on fire, but 220 and 9 or, t- or 10 home runs yep. is more productive than anything the Braves ended up signing. So it's like those are literally the same players and what's Freeman doing compared to and Freeman's lighting up compared to Olsen at least in in that batting average department pretty similar power numbers but you know it's just like every decision you made last year could not have gone better and so far, the decisions they had to make coming into this year can't go much worse.
1: I want to be optimistic. I want to say that it's more likely the Braves win the East than the than finish below five hundred. Just You're because I, I know I just I'm a, I'm I'm a optimistic guy, and I like the talent, and I want to you to stay healthy. And they, the, all these points have been great.
2: The other thing I was going to say, and a player to mention is Dansby Swanson. Like, which Dansby is going to show up? Hey, is it going to be the one that just strikes out? All the timers are going to be the guy that here lately is not striking out at all, uh, you know. Which which Dansby Swanson's going to show up? So, uh, man, this yeah, it's right. disjointed. I, Last I don't one, like we
1: got about a minute and a half left, so this one's going to be super rapid fire. Uh, but what's more likely to happen? And this is just a total fun one tonight. It's the match in Las Vegas on Turner. Is it more likely? That the quarterbacks Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers win the match, or that the quarterbacks Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen win the match.
3: This is golf, right? This is yeah. golf. Yeah. I'm just glad that Brady and Rogers are on the same team because <laughs> some psycho out there, if Brady lost, be like, See, this is why he's not the GOAT You know, he came and we gave him we hit the ball and put the ball in the hole, you know? And uh, and then they'd be like, Well see, Rogers really is the greatest of all time and like you don't know what the word great greatest means, but um, I'm going Mahomes and uh, Mahomes and Allen. See, I, I'm going, I, I mean, I don't. know. I don't know. Well, no, no, I, I it's don't
2: golf. Know. That's I do It's fine. Well, no, well the, the thing is, I know Brady and, and Rodgers can play golf and really they well. they've played in the
1: event before.
2: Right. This is the first time I,
1: that Allen and Mahomes are in the event.
2: I don't. I don't know what Mahomes and Allen's golf game is even like. So I don't They're know. Professional
1: athletes. I would imagine. Well, see, Brady they was kind of, of
3: stinking it. until he made that. Fairway shot, and then all of a sudden he started looking like a really solid golfer. But he was hitting it all over the place. Sure, but I mean he's
2: still he's still got a decent game, and I, I think Aaron Rodgers has a pretty darn good. I mean he
3: there, he's no Tony Romo.
1: Well, they usually get
3: exited out of the playoffs a few weeks earlier.
1: So
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying the veterans. Austin, yeah.
1: thank you for being here, man. Hey, a lot of fun it. seeing you as always. Good zips. Tom, we'll see you next week. I'll be here. Ryan. I'll see you later in the week, buddy. Thank you for being here. I enjoyed it. All right, that does it for today's show. Thank you to Andy Berchman, Jerry Brewer for stopping by. For Ryan the Boy, Austin Scott, and Tom PV. my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.